the the beam plane is something that we should never ever talk about again. Uh, I don't ever want to think about. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 33 of Stat Check. This is Inner Circle Over Rep, um, which is a sign of many things to come. Um, I'm Ennis, uh, I'm joined by Jeremy and Nathan because Anthony is one, having internet problems and probably recovering from, and probably two, recovering from the fried food in Scotland where, since he was here for a week. Um, we're going to say it's internet problems, we all know it's gastrointestinal, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> Uh, hope you all had a great week, and we are super happy to be back with you guys. How are you two? You want me to go first? Okay, I'll go first. Uh, I still have proceeded to just mostly play 40k in non-competitive settings while I paint up Imperial Guard to be the problem at, like, Adepticon and whatever events I decide to go to for the next few months until GW nerfs it into the ground, which I assume will happen eventually. So well, I, think I think you know play. I think that uh, they might get to some other factions first, which we'll talk about later. Um, just but just maybe, because there there are some problems, and guard actually might not be one of them at the moment. Um, they definitely are. I just think they're definitely the a component. Struggling. There's, they're definitely a component of the problem, but they aren't the majority of it. But that's for later's discussion. I'm painting a bunch of guard stuff. I painted a rogue. I've started painting a Rogaldorn. And putting camo patterns on tanks, which is kind of fun. Did you or did you not cover up the Dorn hole? No, I left the Dorn hole there so I can put a model inside of it and say that it's supposed to be able to fit there. I yeah, didn't actually sense. do it for that reason. I well, think like Jeremy how other players just... put their wave serpent <laughs> fronds around Farseers. Exactly. But it's the, a hole. The, the finials just inside. Perfectly reasonable. Uh, the things that the thing WCC says no. It's good. It's a good thing that Jeremy can hear this nonsense now before a player comes up to him and it's like, yeah, I can totally put Creed inside of the tank. She totally fits inside of that tank. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Otherwise, it's been a pretty good weekend. Um, I've pl I played a couple games of guard of random nonsense and other random nonsense. I played a game with TJ's demons into some Tyranid bugs, which was fun. And I have a couple games into World Eaters scheduled for this week with guard, which should be entertaining. Otherwise, I continue to be a terrible person and actually just skip stratagems now when I'm playing the Garden Crusade. I'm like, yeah, I just won't reroll all the wounds on this two-up ballistic skill, rerolling one's Kasserkin unit that's popped out. That ignores cover because it has three different regimental doctrine traits. <sighs> it's you know, nonsensical. You can, you can go off a podcast co-host, you know. I can. I can. It's true. I can go off. but No, I mean, we could go off you. That's what I'm I know. I understand. But instead, we're going to go over to Jeremy, who probably had a more interesting weekend than I did. I did. Um, the getup is because of that. Uh, so I ran an event this weekend, uh, and uh, my players are as special as the stat check community. Uh, they joked earlier in the week about buying me a judge's costume and uh, delivered on it on Sunday. And because I refused to wear it for the award ceremony, they said, you have to make it up to us. So here I am wearing this for this episode. 
I thought he was trying to dress as a pastor. I'm not going to lie. Um, no collar. We can supply. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's what expenses are for, you know? We do uh, definitely but... just have Patreon money that we could use to buy random nonsense with it. It's fine. They, they, they've already said that for the next clash, I'm going to end up with a wig. So we last, last event, it was like, the gavel. By the, by the time one, I run camera teams, I'm sure I'm going to have a full thing. Uh, but yeah, no, the event was a lot of fun. We had 38 players for the weekend. We had one person drop over on Saturday night, which was wild. I've never had, you know, come back the next morning and be like, go to the ringer. I'm sorry, you can't play your last two games, but we only had one person drop. Hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it was very fun. Uh, a lot of fun just to watch that many games get played. Whole lot of top level sportsmanship and and comp and uh, competitive play. Uh, although I got to watch a uh, a disciples of the red angel and chaos demons list tear through four armies in a row, and then get tabled in two turns by iron hands. Makes sense. All things back. Sorry, to three be. turns because Angron came back and then died on Overwatch. And Overwatch. <laughs> Iron Hands can Overwatch on fives, and when the Contemptor Dreadnought is the target of the charge. It's true. It's just so funny, and like probably the most disrespectful way for Angron to die <laughs> is to revive himself, charge something, and die in Overwatch to a Dreadnought. No, the most insulting part about that, uh, the player realized when we were at dinner that because he was playing Disciples of the Red Angel, he has a 1 CP strat to deny Overwatch with any World Eaters unit. Oh man! Just showing that nobody's actually read that section of the book. No, apparently not. But he he had he had a whole lot of fun just running Angron at people all weekend long, uh, and I did guess. exceptionally well with it. He he, it was funny. We were talking when he was sitting at the top table, and he was just like, "Yeah, I came here thinking I'd get two wins." Yeah. Instead, you so no one knows how to deal with Angron apparently, except for well, Francois and Iron Hands. The con my RTT sure did. He died ten times in three games in my RTT this weekend. <laughs> so, so the best part about this list <laughs> is the list was bunch of eight bound and exalted eight bound, Angron, Lord and Vicatus, Karanak, Bloodletters, two units of Hounds, Angron obviously, and two Chaos Land Raiders. Absolute hero, but also that's a Blunderdome list. Like just straight up. Oh, it was it was beautiful because no one could kill the land raiders in by the time Angron connected because they would be so focused on him, and the land raiders would just be plinking away with their soul shatter last cannons, picking up blood tithe points from killing vehicles. You know, I really wish I lived in this whatever meta that guy was playing in, where people couldn't kill Angron. <laughs> Dude, I deploy like face cap bloodthirsters like behind the wall and they're dead by the time they get to my opponent. I was angry on across the board. Oh, it was it was hilarious. I watched him make do a full loop around a table against a guard player. He went ruin hopping for the first turn. And the guard player forgot to issue the no deep strike order from his chimera. And Angron then warp locust in 10 blood letters and everything in the guard player's back line was touched. I've got Sometimes a lot of you just feelings. get lucky. I've got a lot of feelings about what you just said, and none of them are positive. Sometimes your opponent is going to forget that they can deep strike, that you can deep strike real close and and tag your whole army. Oh, I also watched ten blood letters in Francois's game fail to kill two dev squads. 
Yeah, that, that's, that's my. I played two games of Bloodlines today. They did about four damage to bind over two games. Yeah, they're really sad. They're not great. No. Um, Especially probably... when you just can't get the corn. You can't get the corn warstone points anymore to make them actually three attacks. Yeah. So they just kind of Pro... go. Yeah. Probably the most amusing was watching 10 demonettes charge three scouts uh, with the intention of wrapping them so that they couldn't be shot. They killed one scout. The two scouts on return killed five demonettes who then failed morale and another one ran away. Unwrapping the scouts and one and, and the one scout that was in combat ran to morale. So you had a scout sergeant with a with a thunder hammer and a sniper rifle going, what do I do with these now? There's three demonettes in front of me. And that scout sergeant fell back and the next turn proceeded to run at the demonettes and kill them in combat the next turn. There is nothing funnier than seeing a scout sergeant get five hits on three attacks with a thunder hammer. Iron hands are. Space Marines were a mistake. Is ultimately the uh... free war gear on scout sergeants was a mistake. Free war gear in general is not a. You should not have a thunder hammer on a scout sergeant. No, there used to be a joke. uh, I went to an event back in like 2019, and my round one opponent was. uh, Running five five scouts in a land speeder with an infernal pistol and a thunder hammer, and I wish I could go back in time and tell me at the time mocking him in the car on the way back up that that was just eventually going to be the meta build, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that, that guy was just really ahead of his time running a forty one point scout sergeant. Um, yeah, because now it's only twelve. Twelve. <laughs> anyway, as for myself, I had a, a pretty good week. I uh, got a few games in. Um, but uh, mostly I went to a little RTT up at Saltire. Um, managed to take that out with Iron Hands, despite all of my good units being in England with Brian at ITT. Uh, I played no land speeder at Iron Hands. I run suppressors and a Thunderfire Cannon, and I can confirm that I would have could have just not run those and done just as well. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the one game where I tremor shelled a squad of Possessed, which was great fun. Nice. Mm. Like the, the 10, 10 Possessed, Black Rune, I was like, okay, so tremor shells, and I can stand 18 away from this and shoot it now. <laughs> And that was great. Um, that was super fun. I played, uh, traveled up with Chris Irvine, and uh, Chris forgot to put his team in on BCP, so we played round one. Um, <laughs> nice, nice, nice. <laughs> because he just stayed in bed. Perfection. Um, but no, I uh, can't confirm. Iron Hands busted. Uh, Martine suppressors are terrible. They're like they were hands down ninety point sandbag. I could have ran literally as good a tactical reason would have done more with this last gallon. It's funny that we address Martine's non boosted question, but he asked a boosted question slightly earlier. He Look, we'll get the, we have a set time for the boost questions, which is yeah. after we've done, which um, is just before the break, and then uh, at the start of the question or <laughs> before the break and after the question round, we will guarantee get your super chat questions. But. Um, that question specifically offended me. So <laughs> we're going to talk. So we're going to talk about all super chat questions during the question segment. But you guarantee your question will be answered or addressed if you yep. ask a super chat. Because we're at the point where now we get so many questions, we can't always get to all of them. But all the ones that are in the Discord and all the ones that are super chat, we will hundred percent get to. Uh, and then anything that catches our eye from the main chat. Um, speaking of oh. that, shall we go into the Matt review for the week? Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about Nathan reading chatting crap so i mean that is why people started watching us right is because we just Probably, chatted nonsensical crap the competitive content is the better stuff so all right fair 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 enough fair enough um i guess i'll just talk about this weekend stats and then i'll talk about some really uh shady looking shenanigans from our episode title which i'm sure everybody's real excited to hear about 
But first, um, I'll talk about our win rate champion of the week, which actually is World Eaters. World Eaters are the number one win rate faction this weekend uh, with a 57.8% win rate. They didn't win any events. They did get three top fours, six top tens, and had an overall overrep of 1.93. So World Eaters are coming in real hot in their first couple of weeks here. Uh, next up on the win rate bus is Orcs at a 55.6% win rate. Orcs did win an event. They got six top fours and 10 top tens with an overrep of 2.4. Uh, I will say that they only had like a 4.8% meta representation, which isn't huge, but Marines are kind of dominating the overrep situation from a pure population standpoint, but Orcs are real good. Um, the ability to provide, pre provide like early melee pressure is pretty powerful, I think. Um, but we can talk about that a little bit more later, or you can go watch Seth talk about it on his YouTube channel. Cause I think he's been talking about it a lot. Uh, craft world, all are next at a 6.7% meta representation, a 54.3% win rate. And then hail of doom basically got them two event wins this weekend, eight top fours, 15 top tens and a 2.28 rep over rep. So it seems like Hail of Doom builds are just kind of back in action if you look at those lists. Otherwise, I think it's like Swift Strikes and other stuff, but mostly just Hail of Doom performing really well. Uh, Gene Stealer Colt are still in the top five at a 2.7% meta representation, so just a little bit under World Eaters with a 54% win rate, no event wins, no top fours, and just four top tens. So they had a zero for overrep, but their win rate is still pretty high. Oh, Gene Stealer's. An army that's been around for ages has a lower play rate than world leaders already. Yep. Uh, I mean, there are some factions with much lower meta representation, which I'll talk about in a minute. Uh, Space Marines are going to round out our top six. Just Or Chaos Demons are in the top five before I do that. 7.4% meta representation, which means they're still one of the more represented factions. A 53.9, and even though they won some events last weekend, they didn't win anything this weekend. They had a top, one top four, eight top tens, and an overall overrep of 0 0.26. So demons are kind of up and down depending on what tournaments and who's playing them is what it seems like to me. And then Space Marines had 183 players for a nearly 20% meta representation, which is just, just up. huge numbers. And a 53.1% win rate, five event wins, 14 top fours, 31 top tens, and a 1.38 over rep. And that's just considering Space Marines as one super faction. If we break it out into the various super factions, we break out the top performing Marine factions, Dark Angels are the number one. They actually had a 4.7% meta representation, which is more than Gene Stealer Cult. Um more than basically most of the other super factions and had a 59.3% win rate. Iron hands would have been in the top five performance for factions as well. They had 101 player. Oh, this is not what I meant for it to be doing. One second. Okay. So broadly, one man, second. Kind of Marine players on the whole, a lot of the people doing really well, but actually not putting up the best numbers like comparatively for a faction, like 1. like 1.3, 1.4 times over rep means they're only doing 40% better than they should be, which is like pretty good. Yeah, but that's um, that's if we yeah. consider them as a gestalt. I think it's important to look at sub-factions real quick because I'll just go through it. I actually managed to misfilter the data. Dark nice. Angels had the highest win rate of the weekend at a 62.8% win rate and a 2.57 over rep. 
And that's even making up 5.2% of the meta. Um, so One Dark Angels... Playing Dark Angels now, a sub-faction yeah. has a 20% representation rate. Yeah. Yep. So that's. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Iron Man. I feel like we should explain this like once every five episodes. So this is probably a good time to do it. Uh, yeah. Overrepresentation is the basically the ratio of how well they're doing overall in its top fours or top tens. We do over for top fours. Top four. So how much more represented they are in top fours than they should be. So you would expect an army that has a twenty percent play rate to make up approximately twenty percent of top fours. So roughly, you know, one in five players if they have. Two in five players, they would have a 2.0 over rep. If they have two in 10 players, they would have a half that. So a point. Uh, is that how math works? I don't know. One in 10, one in <laughs> 10 players, so they would have a 0.5 over rep. There we go. Uh, so they would be half as they would show up half as often in top fours as you expect. So it's basically a metric of compared to how well they are, how often they're showing up, how well, how often are they placing or top fouring rather than placing because top three is a little bit of a messy metric. Sometimes top four usually just. Makes it a little nicer. And I'm not going to lie, there, are two, the semifinal. there would be two other factions in the top five from the Marines as sub-factions, which would be Iron Hands and Space Wolves, at a 4.9 and a 2.5% meta representation. So Iron Hands would still be more represented than a large number of pure factions with a 54.9, and then Space Wolves with a 54.5. Space Wolves won two events. Iron Hands won one event. Um, Iron Hands actually managed to get a below one for overrep, but Space Wolves had a 2.35. But I think there's something a little bit more interesting contained within that Iron Hands data. And I think their meta their overrep is data is clouded by the fact that pure Iron Hands has a um, <clears throat> 50% win rate. And when we look at the data and pull out their subfaction data, if we average out everybody who's using customs, essentially, specifically Master Artisans, it's roughly a 65 to 68% win rate for the Master Artisans builds, which includes Whirlwind of Rage. Whirlwind of Rage and Master Artisans has 132 games played during Arcs of Omen and it has a 68% win rate by itself. So, so what I'm going... Players, right? Yeah, just just great. Iron Hands is perfectly balanced. It's just Iron Hands players who have yeah. the lowest win rate. Iron Hands is perfectly balanced. The Iron Hands supplement with the successor rules is definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Iron Hands by themselves have a fifty-two percent win rate. Um, yeah, which you is sure can't have a six okay. of feel no pain and double wounds or bracken. You can do that all day long. Yep. Yeah. Or you can um, have yet another reroll and exploding sixes in combat. Yep. That At the bottom. Better. At the bottom of the bucket, we have Adeptus Mechanicus, Thousand Suns, Drukari, Imperial Knights, and Chaos Space Marines. Um, we've started to see like a centralization of meta representation into Space Marines, essentially. Uh, a lot of factions have dropped below 3% for meta representation. As some of those are very previously popular factions, like Tyranids are below 3%. Necrons are under 3%. Harlequins are back down to the dozen players who play them, and that's kind of it. Sisters have dropped down to a dozen players. Um, it's actually kind of interesting to watch as like everything just kind of shoves itself into Marines. To be fair, Harlequin's winning probably hasn't changed though because it's the same 12 people playing them that were winning all of the events yeah. before. <laughs> it's like, probably down to like a 49% win rate now. They were at a 60% yeah. before Omen, so they have dropped. They've dropped a lot. They're still fine. Yep. Mm -hmm. But it is funny. There are more... Dark Angels players than there are combined Sisters and Thousand Sons players. 
Mm-hmm. And there have been more removed rules from the Harlequin's data sheet than, than hard from Harlequin's than some armies have. Yep. Um, other than that, despite winning an event, Adeptus Mechanicus is the worst performing faction of the weekend. They had a 33.5% win rate, but they still managed to win an event. Um, and they ended that up was by this guy in chat right now. Yep, Here. they got yep. 500 points. Yep, um, <laughs> the yeah, Alexander. just gonna personally nerf you. Um, someone will be to your house with an ice pick shortly. Uh, Seth, uh, all you missed. Know. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, Seth, all you missed since the start of the episode is me telling people to go watch your YouTube videos to tell them about how orcs are good. And it was all um, ITT individual matchups are not included in such a data because teams is a weird format that doesn't translate necessarily great to singles play just in terms of what the data sorted. So it just keeps the data cleaner by not including teams data. Uh, at some point, we may end up tracking teams data separately, but it would be a whole other thing that requires some different data architecture than we have, basically. Uh, and we need more information than we get at the moment for like pairings and things like that, which makes tracking really difficult. Um, so we usually don't track teams data. It's always super interesting to look at. Um, and like, I would definitely recommend having a rundown of like the ITT lists. Um, like some of the team England is super cool. Uh, they were playing like pure each demons. Uh, we saw sisters in the top three, uh, which was a pure like thirty valor hard sacrosanct list just to like hard tank the guard matchup. Um, mm-hmm. So it's def- definitely a lot of interesting things to look at there, and a lot of things that will always have a lot of repercussions for singles play because a lot of lists get designed for team events that aren't necessarily um, aren't necessarily known for singles play. That then become singles lists so like like for example the gsc list that everybody's been playing the industrial affinity build started as a team's list and then got adapted and brought into singles play and we'll see a lot of that i'm sure we'll see some of the lists um like jack harpster was playing Zinch demons at cherokee this weekend uh and england won i with it and it, so like, i'm sure we'll see a propagation of lists like that where demons have felt a little bit like people have moved on from them um mm. so yeah i definitely uh it's definitely a super cool format definitely super interesting and obviously i love teams personally as does jeremy and uh nathan has a nathan's there nathan, nathan watches teams uh i definitely love teams events and wish that there were like more realistic ways to participate in them yeah that's always the problem right it's a high barrier to entry it's a high barrier to data analysis as well because we don't know you know we don't know what first defended in all of the team formats we don't know like what table choice was done um so yeah there's there's a lot of a lot of barriers to the analysis of that data unfortunately so yeah we focus purely on the single stuff here but i'll let you guys get yeah. back to that one day we will definitely start tracking some of the team's data. I think we're going to try to for something like WTC. That's going to be the attempt. Um, One of the things I wanted to talk about is we do have the CRS ranking system. We have the ELO both and ELO as well. So we have that updated both for player rankings, and then we also have updated it for faction rankings, or rather Jeremy has updated it for faction rankings because this is Jeremy's Jeremy's baby as it is the Curie ranking system. Um... So one of the more interesting things that I enjoy is as factions get some of their their curies, as it will. And our top moving faction of the weekend is just Dark Angels, who went up eight spots in the rankings to go up to second um, and increased their CRS by 171 points. Which is a 10% increase on the baseline? Almost. Yeah, so they went up almost 50 they went up between 15 to 10 percent in points just by itself um and marine factions have basically all started to go up world leaders are currently in ninth place if people are interested and world leaders will um, keep going up as they play more games so the the one thing that i think the faction ranking struggles with a little bit is that it is very slow to turn 
Um, mm-hmm. You require requires a lot of games to like actualize it normally. So something like Harlequins is sitting at the top right now. It probably shouldn't be at the top, but it's not losing enough games to actually knock it down. Um, yeah, so yeah part of, of that is just, so is. when there's like hundreds of games being played in a weekend, it moves very quickly. It's like Dark Angels had last weekend, they had an average weekend and they moved very little. This weekend, they had an insane weekend and they skyrocketed. Yeah. So Whereas we've seen like where... Titanicus sits roughly in the middle because nobody plays games at Titanicus, so it can't lose points. Um, yeah. So it's always take things like this with a pinch of salt. It's a metric. It's not a it's not a tier list. It's a metric is basically the, the gist yeah. for that ranking. It is. And and really, the, the main reason that I publish the faction rankings is because that informs the CRS. That yeah. faction ranking is what your your skill rank and the and the faction you're ranking become a team that is then used to compare to the other team that you're playing against for evaluating who should win that matchup Mark, that's basically Mar- the most God, important part is march oh i don't like that uh, <laughs> yeah, i was just gonna say we have a, a meta report that we need to do Oh God, I've been so slacking on those because it's really hard to get you guys to actually give me the data and also give me your tier lists. Two months in a row, I've asked everybody for tier lists and gotten two of the five I need. So I've given them back. I gave them both times. Yep, Every I know you two did. <laughs> you two did. I do so, my homework. Um, I yeah, the tier, the tier list, I will hopefully be getting on that this week. Um, I should have most of Thursday 3 to write that. Cool. But that means I need to harass seven people. And I have to harass seven people plus potentially a guest for tier lists. And <laughs> I'm really bad, bad at getting them. I'll get you I the mean, data tonight at least. That would be wonderful. I also have to assemble the mission packet for the end rules packet for the TTS tournament that we're running that now has like 56 people in it. Oh, yeah, our TTS major. Yeah. <laughs> our, um, TTS, our casual <laughs> TTS major that I originally was like, man, it'll be great to get 20 players in it. And now it's at like 56 people. That's like, oh, we need six rounds. Fuck. Yeah. I might actually have to increase the number of rounds. No, just do um do a top cut. Do a top cut. Just top four does a playoff after okay, five rounds. We'll, we'll figure it out. I'll do Something that. Like that. Right. I'm going to um, go through CRS stats. We're just going to go through CRS player rankings real quick, and then I want to show off the toolkit again from the meta dashboard just so everybody can Please. see it again. I'm going to go grab a drink quickly, so you guys do that, and we'll be back in a second. Sure. So the CRS rankings have been updated by Jeremy. Uh, we have Tom Ogden in first place currently, followed by Manny Chima at 2049 and 2046. Mike Porter's in third at 2010. Harpster's at 1999. Uh, Chester is in fifth at 1992. Nassim is in sixth. Uh, Sam Procopio is in seventh. Vic Vijay is in eighth. Innis Wilson is still in the top ten. And TJ Lanigan is in tenth. Um, one of our big movers is a friend of the show who popped into the top 50, which is Francois Lalonde, who popped up 26 spots into 47th place. And then also a friend of the show, Adam Camilleri, jumped up 11 spots and is now in 35th place. All right, and that's it. And then I do want to just show people this again because I think it's kind of fun. Now I have to figure out how I'm going to do this real quick because this is going to be a slight little nightmare. Oh, good. I am still on the top 10 of CRS. That's fine. You are. You're in the top of statistic. Still a valid statistic. You want me to pull it up, Nathan? I have it. Oh, you got I it. got it in front of me. I just had to find the right way to share this without sharing my whole screen again. So this is <laughs> this is cliff's current baby that we put in a lot of feedback in to get it customized for everybody so this is the new metadata dashboard meta balance overview which lets you pick the meta player faction player sub faction dt experience opponent faction at the top 
It lists all of the factions, including Marine subfactions on the left and color codes and based on performance with blue being over and then peach being kind of in the middle and then towards red being underperforming factions. The cooler part of this is it actually pulls out all the subfaction win rates. It gives you all the overrep data and it gives you the meta representation data, which is tagged as player distribution. And if you click on something like Dark Angels or on Iron Hands, and I think Iron Hands is more interesting of these, it will pull out their win rate, overrep, player distribution, and then it will pull out all their subfaction win rates for that subfaction. So this is where you can see some of the basis for when I'm talking about Iron Hands. Iron Hands as a pure faction are not doing that great. While they're doing roughly balanced, where they're at 52% for a win rate at 420 games played so far in Arcs of Omen. But if you can see Marks of Omen, you can see you Master Artisans. Cliff to add player rate to those data on the right hand side so you can sort by it as well. That would be interesting. Yep. We can definitely do something like that as well. We can probably add another little right tab or something. But I think this is the coolest tool that we've come up with recently as a group, and that Cliff has spearheaded a lot. So what I really think is if anybody wants kind of an at-a-glance perspective of how everything is working out and how the meta is looking is that this is your place to start. And it lets you look at some hidden features of the data. Another one that I like to pull out is Gene Stealer Cult. So I'll click on Gene Stealer Cult real quick where you can see that Accustomed Toil, Cold-Eyed Killers, Industrial Affinity, War Convoy has a 64% win rate. Um, apparently some just have none listed, which has a 70% win rate, which is something we'll have to look at later. But you can see how some of the different Myriad Cult is uh, doing significantly better than others. But you can also see where there are some outliers, like Hive Cult by itself has an 80% win rate, but it's only one person who's been playing that so far in this meta. So yeah, and go take a look Rose at that. had his Pulper Prince's win rate cannibalized by somebody else playing them. Unlucky, bro. Yeah, we don't <laughs> record lists yet, just yet. Um, but as Jeremy put in chat, most likely we are currently working on a tool in order to do that. Um, at some point we will definitely have just a full, a full suite of tools for you to get, for you all to access on Tableau, uh, via the data that we've collected so far for GT plus sized events. So that's what I like doing for all y'all wanted to show off our new toolkit because it's great and very interesting and now Innis can do the plugs go plug Innis hmm okay <laughs> we do a really a bunch of really awesome stuff and if you would like to hear more about the behind the scenes on that or help contribute to some of like the development process or you know offer your suggestions there's a wonderful place to do that it's called the stat check discord did you know you can get access to the stat check discord for the low low price of just five dollars a month and you can hear us all talk some random garbage and also be part of one of the best communities of 40k. It's not a bad price, Agreed. partially. You can check that out at patreon.com slash statcheck. Otherwise, if that's not something that you're interested in, you can check us out at youtube.com slash c slash statcheck, where you can see our YouTube channel, you can see all of our back videos, all of our bonus content, as well as the other shows on our network, which is Edit the Matrix and uh, X and One, which are both far better 4k content pieces than we produce um but also a lot more specialized so you know you got to be in the niche for those ones but they're they're really good um x and one is getting some of the best reviews of any piece of 4k content i've ever heard and really 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 i need to start listening to it uh, <laughs> i don't know it just feels like i couldn't be further from the target audience but you know i'm sure it'll be fine uh <laughs> it's always good to understand the demographics um 
and the end of the matrix is wonderful content from typhus covering the team format and all its glory they just did a bunch of really cool deep dives into the itt so if that was something that interested you about so that was the international team tournament so if you're hearing about that when well, we talked about it briefly earlier was something that interested you you can check that out um they're both like fantastic jobs those should all both also be on the podcast feeds uh, and then there's also some of the various bonus content a lot of the bonus content that we were doing has now been just rolled out into its own shows so there's been a little bit less of that recently um but the discord is still a great place to get access to all of that as well uh, that we don't put out onto the regular youtube otherwise uh we really appreciate if you could just drop a like a comment uh, drop a subscription on the youtube channel all of that super helps us out and if it's if it's uh, something that you're interested in you can also now leave super chats on the stream where you will guarantee you get your question answered uh which is a way you can support us on a one-off if you're not for doing a recurring or you don't do patreon or anything like that it's really great you can support us and we really appreciate all of it um that's all i have Yep, um, and you get access to our lovely TTS Super Major that we're running now, which has a trophy that I will print and then mail to some poor fool who wins that event. Even Innis, if Innis wins it, I will still print, paint a trophy, and send it to that's him. So that he can... I'll use it to show from. I'll just use it to show for more coaching. So that's all I'm really gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> mm, stat check member winning the stat check vibe check league. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. we're just that good that even the people who know what we're gonna do can't stop us. You can play all sorts of fun people. I promise. Even and also me, um, and then Innis, who might not be fun to play against, unless you're really into the masochism side of things. If you're into the masochism, side of if things, you enjoy an hour-long TTS games, it's great. Thirty minutes of setup, twenty minutes of talking, ten minutes of rolling dice. Yep, because yes. I get tabled by Towson that long. Um. <laughs> God, that was beautiful. That was so uh, sad. Uh, I suppose I'll also list. briefly. If you're interested in coaching, we do now offer that. You can check out stat-check.com slash coaching, where you can get access to me and Typhus in all of our glory for anything you're looking for in the 40k sphere. If you're looking for a hand, check that out as well. All right. Do we want to talk some meta stuff then? Do we want to talk about how Dark Angels are ruining the game? whinge about Dark Angels for 40 minutes and then do questions? <laughs> we could we could whinge about Space Marines, yeah. I um, despise the design decisions that Games Workshop have taken with Space Marines. I don't understand what this marine book is doing now. Like, well, apparently, if you're playing Space Wolves, it's as many Melta and Combi Melta things as you can possibly shove into a list because they've managed to make Combi Meltas free on everything. I just, my opinion is that when you took away all the points cost for all the upgrades, you took away the major like lever that was used for balance. So you stripped away all of that, and you basically gave every army the opportunity to take as many of those upgrades as possible, which had a points cost previously for a reason, which I guess it's working for them. Marines are back up to a 20% meta representation, which I think is what GW wants. Is like, yeah, And I'm sure they'd be selling a bunch of Marines if they like could sell Marines right now. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> although I think that yeah, might almost the... be sorted. Uh, who knows? Yeah, and I think It's incredible, not... though, how much of Space Marine Army does not feel like Space Marines right now. Yeah, it feels much more like a horde army, is what I, people have been telling I, me recently. The, the, you cannot put, like, five space marines feels like in the 40k sphere should be something that's fairly resilient, right? Based on all mm -hmm. of the, like, mythos of a space marine, and the design philosophy of them being a fairly elite army, they just explode. You cannot put, like, a marine, a marine in the open is just dead. Yeah, uh, like, unless it's a Deathwing Terminator, they're just yeah. dead. And, like... You don't, like, if you're not Deathwing Terminators, you're still just dead. Like, if you're yep, just, yep. if you try to put Space Wolf Terminators on the border, like Iron Hands ones, nah, bro, they, they, they're gonna die, because they're not transhuman and feel no pain and minus one damaged. It, it's insane how much this book is just become condensed into 
things that kill you super dead and cost very little or one thing that can live. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, at the at the event this weekend we had uh, my buddy Cody who was running a 47 Deathwing Terminator list that I had helped him write um because I'd played into a variant of it 2 weeks ago at Stud and I was just like here this is how you can make this list even more obnoxious to play into. Here's the cheers the throw in the chaplain give it a give the five up litany against mortals and suddenly even the gray knight matchup looks absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and I just watched him chew through. He went, he went three one and one because he drew his last game against demons. Because apparently demons actually do fairly well into that. Uh, and then his one loss was to Francois Iron Hands, who got incredibly lucky and he failed a seven entry rollable charge. And if not, he will lose. He he wins that game, uh, failing that charge, and then having a brick terminator just evaporate because they had no buffs on them. Changed yeah. basically. Barely won Frostbite the game. I think it was like a 12-8. Oh, God, yeah. Let, like, Codex Warfare. I played a couple games, like, with um, Dark Angels just for some coaching and practice. And I was like, some all my heavy weapons died on, like, turn two. So I was like, all right, I'll just race to Assault Doctrine and go kill things with these Thunder Armors. And then I got told, that, and then I realized it was one point in the Assault Doctrine. Mm -hmm. Like, the harder Doctrine to score is yep. one point. I do not understand the design behind that second. Well, the thing is, is that a little bit. prior, previous to... to, to um to arcs it was capped at five mm -hmm. for the devastator doctrine so you could kill three things get five points and then you were done with it and you had to move on beforehand so like yeah you kill three units turn yeah, one and because then you... you got less turns of it right you yeah. got one turn right. of dev doctrine so it got to be two points <laughs> yeah but it was it was scuffed because you never took that because you never killed any because it was also you were never killing anything enough stuff with with tactical and the tactical doctrine and then the assault doctrine yeah you'd get some more kills it was but you get like okay for death watch because you could pick your death you could pick your death doctrine yes card. but even then because you only you're, you're specializing one way or the other you exactly. were scoring like eight to ten points on it whereas now yeah. like my ravenwing list scores ten on turn one a lot of the time. And yeah, then sometimes if it doesn't score, because my opponent just scored it deployed everything in the hidden. I'm like, oh, I don't care. I'm a devastator doctrine for the entire game. Turn two, I'll score ten points on it. Yeah, it's it's a very I it's not a good secondary. Shock tactics is actually really cool. I think creates interesting yep. play and has cool options. Uh I really like that. But um it, it's one secondary. Oath the moment is as dumb as it ever was. Um Yeah, I think Ashley Thompson in chat makes a good point, which is that you can outplay your opponent and your opponent can still score like a 14 or 15 on Codex Warfare because it just sticks to the literal, you need to do this thing to win the game, which is mm -hmm. you need to kill things with heavy weapons in an army like Iron Hands where it's built around heavy weapons efficiencies. Yeah. Like you need to do that. So you equip all your units with heavy weapons. So you're going to score 15 points with it most likely across the course of the game because you don't have to kill that many units to do it. Especially if everybody's trying to actively participate in the game by doing things like scoring behind enemy lines or R and D. It's like, yeah, you can fight up too. It just takes the edge off of everything your opponent could be doing. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you are trying to score primary points at all, right, you're putting yourself in a position where you can get shot by stuff. So you're going to get shot by heavy weapons. Or if your opponent is playing a different army, it just puts you in a position to get hit by any other kill secondary. It also, if you're playing primary, you're you're giving me shock tactics. The yep, games exactly. where I don't score well in shock tactics are the games where I've, my opponent never held objectives. It feels like I'm okay with that, right? Like, yeah. sure, man, I got eight on shock tactics. You didn't hold a point. <laughs> like, yeah. This and feels I, good for me. <laughs> one of the things that was interesting is somebody recently related to the Deathwing Terminator to the unnerfed Tyranid Warrior. Yeah. Like, 
full like you for 33 points you get a four and vulnerable save for the whole game uh full transhuman and a one-up base save on a terminator body who yep. has is just slower and that's it that's the only thing and that's wrong three with three attacks that hits on fours slower. at strength a ap2 damage three instead of four attacks that hit on threes strength a ap2 damage two um and a gun like a an okay gun, like three shots of strength, five AP one damage one, or AP two damage one. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it was never like the selling point. It was no, good. but venom cannons are pretty good. Venom cannons were ruined. Venom cannons. But that again, that's what's over. That same that same turret of warrior is now no transhuman at all because Leviathan Synapse doesn't get anything now unless it's a monster and costs fifty points. Yep. Yep. Terminators costing thirty three points with any loadout that you can build onto them is a little ridiculous. Even funnier for the Deathwing because you also give two of the guys in the ten man cyclones. Yep. Yeah, which also is just, frankly, I think it's just a rules exploit that shouldn't work. You should not be able to give them a cyclone missile launcher with them. I, don't I know, mean, but... it says in the appendix. I know it does, but it order. just shouldn't. <laughs> didn't they, didn't it used to with cyclone missile launchers? One of the hands had to be like a targeting array or something like that. Should, I couldn't remember. You should just have to be locked to Stormblower and something with the cyclone mm, missile launcher, enough. frankly. Mm -hmm. No, I also hate things like the rubric squad where the cyclone missile launcher is on the guy with the, the assault cannon. It just yeah. bugs me. Um, well, you just give all of the all of the heavy weapons. Targets. You just give it. all the so heavy much. weapons to Jim. Just give all the heavy exactly. weapons to Jim. Jim, Jim and Bob have two heavy weapons each. It's like you know that <laughs> meme where it's like, "Gee, Bob, how come your mom lets you have two wieners?" It's that, but like Scarabacol <laughs> Terminators with heavy weapons. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the like ad from the fifties. Yes. Yeah. God. <laughs> Oh gosh, no. I mean, um, but we can talk about. So, I mean, they took away all the levers of balance, right? And they've created some secondary situations, which also have created further imbalances for specifically Dark Angels and Iron Hands, because I think those two armies in particular take advantage of all of the upgrades being free and then all of the ability to stay in Devastator Doctrine and just massacre your opponent. Character Dreadnoughts are a mistake. Points. Yes, and character so, dreadnoughts are a mistake. Hear me out. Regular character dreadnoughts are fine. The relic contemptor is a problem. <laughs> like, if you had a regular box knot that was a character, you wouldn't care. I used to play that because we used to prefer... So, back in 8th Ed, when it was like the Father of the Future Pharos build, WC didn't allow Forge World. Yes. So, I played a venerable dreadnought with a missile launcher and a las cannon with that, with that upgrade on it. Twin las cannon, no. Yeah, it was three shots instead of um, it was you got four on the the relic the relic type that you would take instead at the time. Uh, that was a lot better than <laughs> so stupid. Yeah, like so, that. That's perfectly fine. Make a redemptor a character, whatever. Do something like sure. that. That's fine. The character Brutalis would be cool as hell. Give it the five of film pain. <laughs> yeah, does the Brutalis dreadnought work? Does it? Why not? I thought that was infantry only. No, because you used to put it on the Brewite, on the Leviathan, in Brewite. Oh, yeah, you were. That would actually be they really funny. They should, like, concentrate in Martyrdom and work on vehicles, work on vehicles again. No, 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 no. We don't need to do that again. We don't need that energy here. I mean, I'm actually intrigued to see what people think once um, the new Missile Marines and the Brutalist Dreadnoughts are hitting tables as well. Because I think the Missile Marines just give Iron Hands an additional toolkit for murdering guards. They're so expensive. Yeah. They're, 35 that, points a model is real expensive on a Marine-like model. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean, they have direct fire, which is cute. But, like, it's also a heavy weapon slot. 
Yeah. I, I, you have a, you have heavy slots to spare in iron. You can justify one heavy in slot iron on hands. them. It's not too bad because you're like you're locked into two devs, probably one reaper minimum, and then after that it really flex slots. Like you want two or three extra heavies, but they can be what you want. Like it's not that bad to run like one eradicators, one extra gladiator, one squad of these guys, or like double gladiators, one of these. Like it's very very flexible yeah. for what you're favorite. I just don't see the them replacing like gladiators, eradicators, or even the third dev squad. I've never liked the third devs, but I just think it's super awkward walking on the side. I would rather just have it be Eradicators, um, because at that point they're just going to be Danger Close anyway. Whereas with the drop pod, you can really like threaten super weird angles, yeah. which you can't do. Because um, that's a lot of the appeal is like you get the 30 inch of the grab cannons coming in off like an actual coming off anywhere. Um, mm -hmm. And then like they can hit charges and stuff like that, which is pretty fun with devs. Um, eradicators, like, you could just go up to like a four man squad of Eradicators and leave a slot. So out for that message screens. Um they just it's that indirect thing that's just the problem Iron Hands really have is and I say problem in the like, the loosest sense of the word, the thing that you kind of struggle with when you're really trying to murder your opponent and score a 20 nil instead of a 15-5 is that sometimes there's just idiots on objective and you're out of vanguard. Um and that's true. In which case the indirect like, would help you there. Yeah, exactly. It's like if I kill four dudes out of an intercessor squad i don't really have a resource i can send to go and kill the last dude off your objective to make you commit something new mm -hmm. and having you know five d3 indirect shots actually you know pressures your opponent into you know they can't just leave that guy there and that is actually a thing that iron hands i'm saying I, again i'm saying struggle and it was like in the turn sense of trying to optimize one of the best lists in the game um it does give you a tool that you don't have uh, and it allows you to be more flexible with your things like your vanguard veterans and your land speeders which are typically what you would use to flip the objectives in that scenario and you can be a lot more safe with them so like a lot of the time the way you play shock is all on an iron hands list is you'll put a land speeder onto the objective shoot the thing off it with the volcon and the land speeder and then the land speeder controls it you send the land speeder in the open so that they have to commit something onto it mm -hmm. uh, which is then in line of sight for you to do that again if you're there behind a wall, because you know they're on an objective, it's player whether it's player placed or a WT setup where they just know that one dude that got away, it's behind a wall. On the objective, you have to put that lance on the other side of the wall, shoot them off it. Yes, you get to control it again, but you're now, you know, you might have to put another thing there to be in the safe position, or you can't see to where the lance meter was, which now that means that you've just started that little you've stopped that cascade from beginning and your opponent's no longer gonna have to commit resources because they can, you know, shoot the lance meter from safety or charge the lance meter from behind the wall and they're in a place where safely and you have to then commit even more to get it if you just you know you can put the last beard in the safe space and or in the open space where they have to commit resource to it and shoot the guy off with indirect you you like flip that balance back to your favor and you can't really do that without something pressure pieces so like whether you go for like three squads of anger veterans or some some scouts and speeders that can you know disembark and punch you it just gives you another resource for making that trade happen on your terms um which is definitely like you know, it's a minor optimization, but I think it's one that could be worth it because they still hit pretty hard when they walk out on like turn four or turn five when you've diminished your opponent's shooting. Um, I mean, they and they're gonna like clean up shots, right? They have five yeah, lances. They, they essentially have five dark lances. It's four because you'll have yeah. the Vanguard launcher on the sergeant. Yeah, and the Vanguard launcher is good at picking up heavy weapons teams like yeah, exactly. stuff like that. It's good at picking up marine bodies, like you were talking about. If there's anything left on a point afterwards, and those the indirect guns are great at picking up things like the key squad of caster can who have to start or on at least burning resources out of it like uh, if you're hitting the point where like they maybe have to transhuman or double cover it like yeah. anything they have to do to make that squad uh, like it's resources they don't have to spend to you it's resources they have to put backwards um you can also threaten things like two squads of mortars like the vanguard launcher can reasonably kill a couple of mortars and the other 43 shots can go uh, the other 
five d three shots can go to the other guys, and mm-hmm. then that's pretty good odds. You just like cripple two scores of mortars. Like they've got to keep the two there near the finial. Like then you know it just lessens your opponent's options, and that's always a really strong thing as an army that has strong passive scoring game like Iron Hands do. It's also a way to pick up passive scoring on Codex Warfare because you can just kill a dude behind a wall, and your opponent can't just no sell you on it now. Um, so no, I, I think I think what's got a five definitely has merit. I think I really want to try thirty with sea level with ultramarines, but I think that <laughs> might be a meme. Um, but I do enjoy the idea of just saying to your opponent, so these all reroll to hit and wound against you, and firing thirty d three indirect shots at them. You um, definitely, but I think I might just be the problem. So you definitely just made my local ultramarines player like super happy because the first thing he thought of when he saw that was reboot and thirty desolation marines with seal of oath on somebody just yeah to you just run them with um you're on storm of fire and then you just move the tactical weapons so they don't move about <laughs> yeah um so what is so let's talk more about the other end of it then so for the two of you when we're looking actually this is a good time Jeremy why don't you talk about what dark angels are doing and like how dark angels are kind of playing both with that raven wing list and then with that death wing list. Yeah, so the, the, there's two lists. So the, the, the Deathwing list, I, I already talked about it a little bit. It's 35 to 45, maximum 50 Terminators, all almost all of them with Thunderhammer Storm Shields because it just makes them ridiculously durable. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Deathwing Terminators are innately transhuman, so they can't be wounded on a 1, 2, or 3 unmodified. Uh, so you're only ever wounding them on 4s up on the dice. Um, the storm shields give them a four up invuln. So basically the math on them just real annoying because you're wounding them on fours, they're saving on fours. If they're staying next to an apothecary, they have a six up feel no pain. If they're running the banner, which they usually are, then the unit that's out front also is minus one damage. They are just obnoxious to remove from the game. Now, a 10 man brick, which is something that you would often see in Dark Angels lists, was a little annoying to kill. But now that you're dealing with four 10 man bricks, most armies just don't have the capacity, the firepower to chew through those. Um, like, Plus, like I was saying, I watched Francois's Iron Hands list, which is very similar to what Matthew I would just put in the list, which was the character dread, two, three devs, radicator, gladiator, two scout speeders with full of sniper rifles, and a uh, and and I think three of the um, the land speeder tornadoes with assault cannon, multi melta, and he killed thirty six over the course of a game yeah there's still 11 left you definitely can kill them as iron hands it really depends on the build um like the the one that won cherokee which steve Carter's built was three squads of 30 and then two squads of two with the death and command squads um mm-hmm. which is like you know it's only 35 it's only only 34 terminators but that was also on player place where you could you got to guarantee a run in the center which means yeah. that the iron hands are struggling getting angles if you get to just exactly. shoot them for the entire game iron hands will kill terminators like you yes will they, they will forward, eventually they chew will through them first. the problem is that they're also running towards you and exactly. in this particular list one of the things that you run in the list is you run the raven wing apothecary with both the selfless healer so he heals flat three resurrects a model for free but you also use the paragon of the chapter which is a stacking warlord trait to give him decisive tactician which gives everyone within six inches of him plus one to their advance and charge rolls which means that that turn one when they're advancing towards you and then turn two when they're charging you they have plus one and all that and when you just start rolling fives and sixes on your advance rolls you have terminators moving as fast as tiered warriors used to and then yep. there's also the um, the aspect of remembering that when you're chipping these damage on them and they're bringing a guy back to the Raven Wing Apothecary, that guy's coming back at the front of the squad at maximum coherency. Yeah, he's, he's reducing giving, your charges by three inches. Yeah, it's more than three inches because two it's a two-inch coherency plus an inch and a half base, right? Yeah, but you're always at an angle. You're, you're almost never dead on. 
So it's like two and three quarters. You're, you're usually count, it's usually going to be more than three inches, like yeah. just from from flipping. And then if you're doing things like if you are running the squad, it's like not if you're running like the four squad to the fourth one's usually not Deathwing. It's the the regular assault terminator squad, so they have teleport homers. So yep. if you've lost one of those guys, they can go you back can into the sky, come down, bring the guy back, get a six inch charge, uh, five inch charge deep strike with then another plus two from the chaplain potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get things like guaranteed charges from reserve, um, which is an absurdly powerful mechanic that just punishes you for damaging them. The, the ways that you deal with them really you need like wound rerolls with high ap which is not super common um mm-hmm. we're seeing things like hail of doom definitely coming out as an answer to that like i think that's why it's doing so much sorry because like the um the 20 terminator build will just run out of stuff to that um whereas like the 30 or oh, 30 more you know you've maybe just got enough stuff to overwhelm it um the big problem with the 30 odd one is against at least against hail of doom is that if you put Say twenty dire avengers and a unit of any unit of wind riders out in the open, and you've doomed a unit. Missile launchers. There's yeah. there's six cyclone missile launchers that are all blast shots, and then there's also two talon masters in that particular list hiding behind that have four assault cannons and four heavy bolters hitting on twos, just shredding your your resources. Yeah, I was it is like, a messed up army. In, in my head, it's like even a caster can. Even multiple Kassarkin units over multiple turns putting mortal wounds into those units don't really guarantee a dent into those units. Like maybe you kill two if they flub their feel no pains with mortal wounds. But then even Why with are they getting two... pains? Why are you not in finial range? <laughs> well, I mean, you can't always have everything in finial range, but yes, I understand. If they're running towards you, you should be in finial range. Yeah, you that, should that be just sitting there. There should be no situation where you're committing where you don't have finial here because it's so much better for you, ignoring things like the minus one damage. Um, guard is definitely an interesting matchup there. I don't think it's too bad for the Deathwing, but it's also not amazing. Like it's definitely uh, we're going to play the game on the table. It's going yeah, to and they have a lot of high strength, high AP, flat three damage, which into the unit that doesn't have minus one damage or doesn't have the apothecary babysitting it because he only has a three inch aura does actually pick up quite a few of them. Uh, so that's that's the Deathwing build, and then there's the Ravenwing build, and. Of the two, I much more enjoy playing the Ravenwing build because it's and when, when we say Ravenwing fast. build, we really mean Deathwing Terminators and Ravenwing, right? So like, this is like the list, the list that I have only has eight Terminators in it. Okay, um, because it has uh, yeah only eight. There were uh, there were has... nine fingers up though too. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that, we, should, we should probably talk about the, um, the the general build, which has been like doing the rounds, which is like the twenty plus yeah. Ravenwing plus. Okay, yeah. So 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 the 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 general core that has been making the rounds lately is two 10 man bricks of terminators with the apothecary, keeping them bit, keeping them company. Sometimes they have the ancient for minus one damage. Sometimes they don't. That's a tech piece choice. It's but then the rest of the you core... want to keep the CP for the pregame move on bikes. Um, so you don't always have the war choice to spare. Yeah. The thing is, is that the pregame move on bikes only really comes up for um, like, if you're running a, a black Knight brick, which is, mm-hmm not as common nowadays because it does dive very badly to iron hands guard the hail of doom build as an it's example also really good at tying up iron hands and guard but you're definitely opting into that but it's a go first a requirement yeah yeah it helps you with the coin flip but you are already doing fairly well if you go first with the rest of the build so after that you take fast attack as you're dedicated you're usually taking either some assortment of the following attack bikes with multi meltas Landspeeder Tornadoes with Multi-Melters and Assault Cannons, Landspeeder Vengeances with the Plasma Battery. And Assault um, Cannons. And Assault Cannons or Heavy Bolters because that sits you at 36 inches. It's kind of a sick, it's kind of a, 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 a wash as to which one you take. Uh, and then Hammer Strikes or Thunder Strikes, Storm Spears. Those are kind of the five options that you take two sets of three of those. 
Um, like the build that I have right now is nine attack bikes and six land speeder tornadoes. Um, Personally, I love the land speeder vengeances, but they're super swingy. Um, sometimes, they and that's my problem with them much. is that you need reliability. Um, I do like being able are... to pump up to have. I like having one just for that damage four access into things like custodes wardens, but. That is very nice to have. Um, I have found that with the all of the tornadoes, I don't have as much of a problem with the ward matchup because it's just so much volume of strength. Yeah, especially if you're running the reliquary for the um, three inch bubble of capping at five and vulnerable save, you can melt the ward matchup. It's actually quite nasty. Yeah, and then the rest of the list usually has Samael, two talon masters because that's the most you can take. Uh, if you're running attack bikes and and or ravenwing or or a regular brick, you'll run the apothecary. If not, you'll leave the apothecary at home depending on how many terminators you have and then the last piece of tech that you that is showing up in almost every list now is the ravenwing champion i'm going to go through what this guy does because he's absolutely silly you give him the reliquary of the repentance so the first thing that he does is any unit that's within three any enemy unit that's within three inches of him if they have an invulnerable save it's a five up at best now it doesn't affect demonic invulnerable saves probably for the best but any but like custodes suddenly they're saving on fives all the time um you park it the next mirror. to a shadow yeah in the mirror it's amazing because you park it next to Thunderhammer storm shields and they're saving on fives um you park it next to if you really want to be rude uh park it next to a makari, uh, makari or an archon and be like how's your shadow field and uh lucky save feeling now but anyways <laughs> so the other thing is is that he has a six inch heroic um you pay the 10 points make him a chapter ch chapter champion because that gives him five attack base uh gives him reroll wounds against characters uh, and then he's also innately minus one to be hit in melee. It's good and point. he moves. So the one of the things that I haven't talked about with regards to the Ravenwing is while they're in the Devastator Doctrine, they get an extra three inches of movement and they can advance shoot. And the biggest part of that is that when you are Ravenwing and you're not playing successors, because successors aren't even a consideration for them now, is you get Jink, which is a five up and vulnerable save against shooting so long as you have not remained stationary. Now, keep in mind, you get that turn one because turn one, you have not remained stationary yet. Then, if you advance, that becomes a four-up invulnerable save against all shooting. Which means that you go first into the Iron Hands or Guard matchup, you advance everything, and your entire army now has a four-up against shooting. It's quite good. And you are launching AP5 Melta, AP2 Assault Cannons, AP4 Plasma at them for the rest of the game. Yeah, and then you're also looking at Dark, uh, Dark Angels have some fantastically janky stratagems, like being able to run in, punch you, and move away with bikes yep. and things like that. But that can also function as like if you um, if you're in an ongoing combat, uh, the unit can just like zip out of combat and then shoot and charge you without having to fall back, uh, mm -hmm. which um, is super helpful for getting around a few things. Um, it's a very very interesting and dynamic army. I think it's probably just weaker than the all Terminators build, despite being a lot more fun to play. Sadly, um, it is. The classic 4k problem of the thing that's interesting is also just worse <laughs> but it's but, fun to go fast uh, oh and the other thing the list always has is it almost always has two units of inf one to two end units of infiltrators because that way you can stubborn defiance yeah without having to see you can you can do it without them it just really sucks yeah uh, you have to pre you have to do the pre-game move stratagem on uh, a squad of bikes and that is really sad well, and then they're also stuck there for the entire game. Uh, yeah, but that's that's, that's the two builds for Death for Ravenwing. One is very heavily reliant on Codex Warfare and the Devastator Doctrine being active all game. So that's where they're getting their strength from. They didn't really gain that much in points, like maybe 150 to 200 points on most lists. It's like uh, 200 just from the Terminators, right? And then... Uh, if you're are... running 20 Terminators, yes, it is yeah. 200 points. So I, I keep thinking back to the list that I'm running where I've barely gained anything on the Terminators. Um, but yes, if you're running Terminators, you gain 200 and that and about another 100 
150 on the speeders. And but the what you are getting is plus inches of movement for the entire game. You may not get the same deficit reduction and the better secondaries. Exactly. Uh, and then the Deathwing, it's benefiting from free war gear, like an insane amount, like a 10-man brick of Terminators with Thunderhammer Storm Shields, a Watcher in the Dark, which is a free deny, which is a free deny the witch uh, once per game, which rerolls against uh against chaos which is very funny um and then two cyclone missile launchers used to cost 485 points it now costs 330. so the 50 of them that you have that you're running before was about 2500 points before you count the characters that you're taking so you that list went down i think it was around 700 points when you conclude the character counts yeah it's an absurd it's an absurd list that just shouldn't exist yep and the thing is that there's very few people running it, partly because it's boring, partly because it does actually take a little while to hobby up. Uh, and if you're looking for legitimate models, they're almost impossible to find right now. Yeah, I just yeah. don't want to buy 30 more Terminators, if I'm being honest. That's me. I, I don't want to. I, like I don't want to build another 20 Thunderhammers. Yeah, I got 10 Thunderhammers from Terminators. They're they're dated models at best. Mm -hmm. um, it's just and the speeders are just so much more fun to to work with. I mean, yeah, I, I bought three more speeders and I'm waiting on them showing up. And I've had like three messages from the guy I bought them from and he'd be like, yeah, these aren't in stock yet. Yeah, these aren't in stock yet. It's like, it's cool, bro. I don't need them that badly. I think one of the more interesting things then to talk about is we'll start with Iron Hands just to make this even harder for Jeremy to cut apart later to make two videos out of. And, and then we'll talk about Dark Angels. What I think people would be interested in hearing is kind of what are some bad matchups and like what are some counterplay aspects for armies playing into either Iron Hands or playing into Dark Angel? Bro, I don't know. I've not lost a game with Iron Hands since the since Arcs of Omen dropped when I played like 20. <laughs> so I think one of the things to ask then is like, what have opponents done, if anything, that's made you think, oh, that could be a problem? ran at me real fast and tried to damage check damage that you and it's like yeah it's going to be real stressful and so it doesn't always work like orcsless tried it and it just bounced um but that that's the rough thing is when you just get around that um because yep. you've only got so much carrot punch in iron hands army there is some good stuff and thank i was running hecaton in that build don't run hecaton he's really bad but he's really good into orcs exactly uh which was nice <laughs> <laughs> he does get to just run around picking up squads then that game because they can't kill him um but it definitely, you can definitely get penned in to your deployment zone. Um, but you're so good at scoring points anyway. Like, if your opponent's taking primary off you, you're getting shock tactics. Like, it's not that bad. If you recover mm -hmm. in the late game, it's like if you get a zero on, like, turn two, and then you recover with, like, a four, 12, 12, you probably max you probably max shock tactics on the way there. As long as you can pick up on the tertiary, then you're probably not even that down on primary. Mm -hmm. um, the, the other one is just, like, stuff that can just kill you. So, like, Iron Hands can definitely just get you. Uh, not Iron Hands. Um, Iron Hands can definitely just get got by an army that just shoots them first. Um, so Guard is a great example of that. If you play Guard yep. on a board where you don't have a lot of great options, or they just jam at you, and you know they just say, "Look, man, you got to kill these eight armored Sentinels and these Kazakhin that have just shot you up from much stuff." Like you can just you can just flatline die. Um, that is definitely a thing that happens. Um, Francois had it with the Death and Terminators build that just uh, well previous tournament that ran at him and he tried but it didn't work. Um, yeah. I've seen that happen to Lennon at Cherokee. Because uh, Lennon looked at the boards and was like, cool, Iron Hands is going to be great on this. And he was right all the way to the semifinals. Um, because he just jammed it. Deathwing Terminators got the first drop, put a run in the middle, ran into it, and then ran him over. Um, and he still scored an insane amount of points. Like, that would still, that would have, it was a 10 10 in team play. Um, so 
yeah, Iron Hands don't have a lot of weaknesses. That's one of the problems. Um, they run enough melee to keep you honest with things like Vanguard Veterans and also to go and take you out. They're running things like Scout Speeders to jam forward, grab primary, alleviate that pressure. Um, and then things like the Contemptor, don't mind getting tagged up. Gladiators and Land Speeders are the same. They both have a separate one CP fallback and shoot stratagem, which is dumb. Uh, <laughs> it's not It's not the same stratagem. It's mm -hmm. I, They're identical otherwise. Um, which means that they're very difficult to tag up. You have things like the drop pod, which just creates an intense amount of like bubble of you need to respect this army so much more until it comes in. And the fact that that can now wait till turn three to come in just means that you have to wait so much longer before you can, you know, you can't just abandon your backfield against a gunline army, which feels super weird because a lot of the time when you play against a gunline army, the way that you compensate for that is by just having so much stuff in their face. Um, and you can't do that because your backfield will evaporate. And then Eradicators coming off the side, Gladiators coming off the side. Um, there's a really cute thing you can do with Gladiators that I'm going to tunnel on for a second, where if they, if your opponents press you to your backboard edge and you've got a Gladiator Reaper and Strat Reserve, you can just put it into combat with them. So even if they've wrapped you, the Gladiator can shoot you out at that point. Um, because you can place it into combat for Strat Reserves if they're on your backboard edge. So if somebody's like wrapped your Contemptor or something like that with an Orc Army, you can just put your Gladiator from Strat Reserve into combat with them, shoot them out and fire the bolt on something else, which is beautiful. <laughs> The third lever mistake that GW has made past the two levers of points and secondaries. The third lever is they made strategic reserves free, which takes away consequences for playing something that would ostensibly be a little slower in an Iron Hands army, not for a Ravenwing army, but where you can shove units of eradicators or gladiators into strategic reserves just for free. So you alleviate some of the problems with speed because you can just bring eradicators off the edge. And fragility and struggling to hide them, right? Like gladiator yeah. are not the easiest unit to hide. They don't fly. They're only moving ten. Um, it can be just a little bit awkward. That is a good question. AP justice that we will get to in a bit. Um, <laughs> so I think just, I think they I mean think the food soup. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I was going to say chaos, but sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we we talked about this last episode, but I just think free strategic reserves was a mistake or was it last episode the episode before time is meaningless um yeah, <laughs> yeah we, no, we we talked about it like it the intention or at least the perceived intention was to be able to protect stuff from being alpha striked and instead what it does is it gave especially shooting armies extremely powerful beta strikes yeah well yeah. one thing they should do That's iron hands if iron hands was ever getting a like an actual fix that wasn't just like reverting the changes they made now is that that um ignore the movement penalty for firing heavy weapons should just be carriage remaining stationary when firing heavy weapons um that way it didn't work from reserve and port edges mm. um they're not going to change that now because it's an eighth edition book but yeah, yeah, yeah. if i was going to tweak one thing in it it would probably be that so that at least there's like you know a little bit of counterplay and the, the devs are going to drop in and hit fours uh all these sure. kinds of things like i would maybe tweak it that way and then like kill Cody's warfare um other than that i think iron hands are probably fine like the contemptor is at the point now where I think GW have just decided it's a design decision that it exists and it's part of the faction identity for a little bit because they've had so many chances to fix it and it's been such a problem for so long that at this point I can't in good conscience say that they've not left it intentionally. So if you're going to leave that, I feel like you've got to hit some other places. And successes were just a mistake in general. Agreed. Jeremy, let's talk about Ravenwing counterplay and then Deathwing counterplay. All right. Ravenwing counterplay is actually fairly straightforward. Be a fast melee army because <laughs> the army will collapse under that. Mm -hmm. So if you have yeah. fast melee assets, so like, for example, Blood Angels, uh, Orcs, which 
doesn't really sound like a fast melee army, but when they walk on that wall turn, they are in your face instantly. Um, uh, armies that can, what's the best way of putting it? I mean, other shooting armies is, is the other, is the other bit. It's, it's a coin flip in that particular case. Um, like you look at the towel, you look at the guard, you look at the iron hands matchup. Uh, and it's very much a who goes first or whose resources crack first. In the case of Tau, it's usually who rolls more four ups, because that will decide what whose resources are still alive at the end of round one or round two, and then it just will cascade the other way. I had a game the the one game that I've lost with with my current list uh, was against Tom Ogden, where he bounced turn one, I bounced harder turn two, and then he picked me up. Um, and so it was just a you know the 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 shooting armies. So in terms of outplay for them uh one of the big things for them like i said is is melee resources if you can get in and get and get stuck in with them uh and find some way of preventing fallbacks then they will collapse the notable reason for that as well is because jink the defensive mechanism that um death that we have is purely in shooting so it does just Correct. does not work in melee yeah they they get they get shredded in melee they have their the army is t5 and t6 with a three up armor save so if you are demons uh melee gsc i know <laughs> uh or uh blood angels or any of those factions if you can and this is player place terrain advice here but if you can stage your ruin such that they don't get to you before you're able to connect with one or two good melee resources their army will just collapse and that was one or of the things you can ruin hop like the world Eaters army can um, yep. objectives don't move ravenwing do objectives are staying the same where they are so if Correct. they want to control the board they've got to come to you with something and that's yep. when you get to smack into them. And then similarly, one of the things that is also a difficult thing for them is the mirror. Yeah, as if you're running, as if you're running Deathwing Terminators, oh, they are going to struggle. I I played into them at stud, and it was the same thing where I killed thirty six or thirty seven of them. But by that point, he was on top of me, and it was a ten point game. And the only reason I won was I had denied him one second. Uh, I had denied him shock tactics because I did not sit on the middle objective once. Yeah. And that's just good advice in general against shock tactics, I think, is consider whether you're standing on an objective because you feel obligated to or because you need to. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time it can be just worth denying that secondary, especially if you're playing a mission where you can make up primary later, so something like priority targets. If there's an objective that's just not worth standing on, it can be worth taking a four to deny them four because you can recover it back later if you're going to get like three eights of four and then like your 15. That's still super quick math, 44 primary, um, yep. which is fine. Like if that denies them a turn of shock tactics, caps into a 12, um, you just cost them, you know, or caps into an eight because they didn't get the turn one. Mm -hmm. um, there's definitely a lot of merit in just, you know, stopping your Why are you laughing at Nathan? Just Dickie's comment in chat, which is say world eaters, you son <laughs> We did, we literally said we, world We did. Uh, I know, then... but that made me laugh. I'm sorry, Ennis. It was just, I saw it and I laughed because chat makes me react and I can't help it. Right. No, it's fine. Uh, and then on the Deathwing side of things, it's <sighs> fast shooting, lots of wound rerolls. So your example of the Seal of Oath, thirty. It's not not a good listing to that, dude. Please don't try and tell people that it is. <laughs> Hear me out for a second. Wound rerolls consistent mortals is really yeah. The wound result wound rerolls mortals is a big one. Um, if they're not running the the chaplain with the litany. 
uh, mortals will rip right through them. Bro, they I would have... love to play that with my Kraken list from LVO. Just, yeah, just exactly. let me out. Let me have it. Come on. <laughs> spore, um, spore mines were the actual counterplay to that army until yeah, 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 you, just <laughs> move, you move five inches. Congratulations. <laughs> that, that was the, that's into... the real problem. Is turnits were too good for too long, and now they no longer exist to save you all from the marine meta. This is what you have all wrought by yeah. making my uh, fact Fluffer bad. Pope, uh, dwarves actually do it because you bypass the toughness. Um, yep. again, also, that army does not like getting beamed. No, no, it does not like getting beamed. <laughs> but what it really doesn't like, and this is one of the things, is Thunderkin Grav. Oh, yeah. Because you have 3d6 shots at strength 5, so you don't care about the strength. But it's Blast, which means you have a minimum of 9 shots coming out of that unit into the 10 mans. And they're flat 3 damage into them, and they're AP3, AP4, and half range. Which means that if they're not in cover, you're putting them on your invuln. And if you're within half range and they're in cover, you're putting them on their invuln anyways. Also, I'm pretty sure do like the Terminators not just like nuke a squad with mortals with four heroes. Uh no. I think they only cost six mortals on average, even with full rerolls, is my understanding. Twenty seven shots with full rerolls. Because it's only on sixes. Uh, if you run a ten man Terminator squad, yeah, yes. I, I'm usually seeing like seven to nine is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, so seven man is the most common, so that's twenty one shots. Full rerolls, you get six mortals, I think. Yeah, it's six on average. So six to seven on average with us. With even a ten man, it's only six to seven on average. Yeah. And then the rest of the shots do almost nothing because you're fishing for twos. Yep. Um, it's it's right. funny because rather than world eaters, the gap that I'm hearing right now is Harlequins. <laughs> if if Harlequins probably hadn't gotten their invulnerable save like depleted by one, they'd probably be the perfect situation in this meta. Harlequins can them. just go around them, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Harlequins can go around them. The problem is, is that if you're playing against a smart Deathwing player, they're going to leave six or seven terminators on every objective and you just can't budge that twilight yep. can dump five cp and delete a brick maybe but that's about all that you can do it kind of, it, it's very yeah. mission dependent for harlequins i think harlequins yeah. are in a position where you can do it um dark actually is probably the best option because you get like ap3 on the troop master to actually put them to a save um so like dark is probably and you're doing more wounds when you die back um so like there's actually a decent few options there you can do things with dark Eight with um like sniping at the character if you're running like double death jester to try and pick out things like the pen of remembrance and the ta and the um, talamasters um so there's definitely you're some options less there. likely to ever kill the pennant just because he's you can probably kill that apothecary though yes because the the smart builds around the raven apothecary and he will just die to two death jesters yeah yep. and honestly the pennant could as well over like two turns with the um rough cool it's a reason, I think, to take yeah. the Marksman Rifle in those Kasserkin squads, actually, is that you can put flat three damage sniper rifle shots that also cause one to two mortal wounds if you can get the auto wound with Horde Soldiers. Uh, that one guy, low-key, Eric's, Eric's new build is running 20 Webers, so I oh, guess. God. Oh, man, that's a lot of Webers. That is... That, they're but what, D3 shots 20, each? So it's 20... It's They're, they're blast, so it's 60, 60 shots of 20 worlds. And every and if you up. hit, it's over. They all hit, bro. Oh, that's right. They auto hit. hit so, it's, yeah. so it's just roll. It's just roll it's five. Just 20, up, so it's just average 20 more ones. Yeah. All right. So that's eight dead terminators right there. Yeah. There you go. So like that's an answer, I guess. Um, well, given sure. that GSC very much struggle into that matchup yeah, because you turn off their plus game. one to wound and most of your shots are AP one, which they don't care about. 
Yeah, it's definitely a stronger boss. GSC actually secondary them pretty well because you can just like sacrifice three squads of bikes to move block them and just keep yes. the army there, keep the army there, keep the army there, and hit your like in a in a team's matchup. I'm fairly confident getting an eight to ten out of that game every time. Oh, 100%. But, that like GSC will still score into that matchup. It's just, yeah, it's in singles play, it's, it's rough. Yep. So we've talked about counterplay. Do we want to take a brief break and then get to questions? Let's do the super chat questions, then we'll take a break. Okay. Where are we so going to start? Let's start at the top of the super chats. So, first super chat question. Uh, so, again, thank you to everybody who's chucked a couple of bucks our way in order to put your question on. Uh, Martin, should you stick with Iron Hand successes or switch to the A? I think if you're not trying to win super majors right now, you can play either of these two completely reasonable success. Um, so, you should stick with what you're comfortable with. Uh, and I know, Martin, that you're more comfortable with Iron Hands. So, don't worry about it. 10th edition is coming. Um, the meta is going to be changed, changing in April anyway. It's it's March now. We're expecting a balance date. It's late in like six weeks, so don't worry about it. Play play what you got at the moment. You'll be fine. If you're not playing, if you're not trying to play for the top, you know you're not trying to optimize out the last 05 percent of your win rate. There is nothing wrong with our successes right now. I don't think there is good as DA, but I don't think that that's going to hold you back at almost any level. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think you could definitely win a super major with Iron Hand right now. I don't think that's Do anyway think- questionable. The top list in the game then is that Deathwing list with four. No, I think it's guard. I think it's guard. But... You think it's guard? Okay, yeah. fair. I mean, Dark Horn Heroes not... rips every list in the game two bits right now, with like very few exceptions. Mm. No, I'd agree. Um, but again, has to be within a skilled general's hand who who can appreciate exactly what you're going to get out of everything. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I, I would we saw, say we've seen in some terms hard of success, so. Yeah. In terms of Iron Hands versus Dark Angels, the only caveat that I would say to that is for teams, we found that Dark Angels are a little bit more reliable in scoring. Uh, if only just because they have some fallback resources if they if if they have a bad couple turns. Iron okay. Hands don't really have that same way to recover if they have a couple bad turns because they end up very light. Just don't have bad turns, bro. Pair for yourself. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's been going great. <laughs> yeah. Pair for yourself is the best answer. Clown Mode says Votan is best, and um, I don't know if I could disagree with you more, but thank you for your money. That's not a question. Um, <laughs> I mean, Clown Mode is the right is the right title for that person right there, actually, to be honest. Thank you, Clown Mode. Uh, Kelsey Ito says, do you guys know what's going on in the RTC? In general, no, but also to the specific question, also no. Um, the site just has player rankings, not team or faction rankings. Is the ITC dead? Probably not, but honestly, at this point, who can tell? Yeah, there's been a, an absolute lack of communication from whoever it is that currently runs the ITC. Um, it it certainly doesn't appear to be frontline because they're not very responsive when people are asking questions about tokens or um, about event scoring or anything like that. Uh, I know we have, like the, the the rankings actually didn't even exist until today for the 2023 season. They the just ones are just gone. No, they're still the accessible. Ones. Yeah, but they're not like anywhere. You can't No, they're not linked anywhere, which is, yeah. you know, problematic. I'm glad I bookmarked them because it means I can actually go back and download. You should them. pin that in a Discord in Discord somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, so we're not involved with any of that, so we don't know what's going on with it. We're as much the dark as uh as the rest of the community. But frankly, um if you go to stat-check.com/crs, you can find the most up-to-date and important <laughs> rankings that are available to anybody, uh, which will tell you exactly how good everybody is relative to everybody else. Uh, and we, we should be the official ranking source for all of 4K from going forward. 100%. Uh, anybody who says otherwise has an agenda. Um, <laughs> I say otherwise. 
<laughs> you have an agenda. You don't want to do I more do. work. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do more work. We don't we don't want to be an official an official official ranking system of any kind because there are other things that are going on. However, I have decided that we are one. So um, you know, everybody it, it is, just respect us. April Justice says, it. All right, guys, if you're a soup, what type of soup would you be? PS keep the good stuff's coming. Thank you, April Justice. Personally, I would be a nice bowl of flannel and bacon soup. Or Heinz tomato, like one of the either of the two. Solid picks. I feel like a tomato soup needs like a grilled cheese to go with it. Like that's a thing that you need. Like a I'm not gonna lie, I mainly eat tomato soup as a vehicle to have an entire loaf of bread and butter, or like a French baguette, like with just like <laughs> half a baguette covered in butter. Soup is an excuse to have that. Um, <laughs> I mean, for my soup, I was gonna say pho. Pho is the soup of choice. That would be my soup. Is that of choice. really a soup? I mean, fuzz the noodles. It's not the soup, but we don't. <laughs> let's not get too technical with it. We'll confuse people. Look, anything, anything with a broth is soup. So, personally, my favorite soup is uh, is an ice cream smooth. Is an ice cream milk uh, ice cream. What type of soup would I be? Well, then it would be whatever the most generic European soup is in existence, because that's what I am as an American. There you go. For me, it's either potato and leek, maybe potato and leek. I would be potato and leek soup. Yes, that's what I would be. Chicken noodle soup because I love comforting people. Or uh, French Canadian pea soup. That's reasonable because it's just so good. Is it not? Should you not be trying to distance yourself from like anything related to French Canadia? Uh, no, I was <laughs> raised in Quebec. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My dark past some, suddenly comes out. This explains so many things about so many other things, but we'll talk about those later. Yeah. So anyway, um, thank you, Jeremy, for your service as statue. We will no longer require you to be involved. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Please don't do that. I can't, I can't deal with the French. I'm sorry. Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> Dan Morris says, is cereal technically just breakfast soup? Why or why not? Um, yes, because of the cubrilla of food. The cubrilla of food. Answer because my head hurts. So the cubrilla of food is my favorite thing. And that is it true. Makes... The cubrilla of food is great. And it de it defines cereal as a soup because of this. Technically, I think it's a stew is what it defines it as. But neither here nor there. But if anybody's interested, you can go find so the. It's just a really liquidy stew, so like that's yeah, funny. yeah. And you can cause arguments with your friend because there are cold soups, and they do exist. Because everybody's like, "Well, cereals are what is cold, and there aren't cold soups. There are cold soups. They exist." Mm -hmm. Right. That is the end of the super chat questions for now. So thank you, everybody. We are going to take a short break for about eight minutes. We'll come back at half past the hour. Um, and we will be back to do the questions from the Discord and turn out the show. Um, so thank you, everybody, for being with us for now. We're going to still be here live for the people who are um, watching the show. We're not going to go anywhere, but I'm going to go and refresh my water and use the bathroom. Um, but we'll be back the hour. If you are listening to the show, then this will be completely seamless for you. Otherwise, we'll be back shortly. We'll be back in a second. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to StatCheck. Uh, thank you for bearing with us for that short break. We probably put in like, the Goonhammer bumper there um, because that's an easy place to do it. Um, we're going to jump into the questions from Discord now. Um, so let's just start at the beginning. We, what we didn't do this week was like handily collate them all because I don't think, I don't know, Cliff decided he hates us this week, maybe. So it's just back to the good old usual of me scrolling through the channel and getting showered up by you guys. People did a really good job this week of mostly keeping the discussion to the discussion section, at least. As always, mostly. All right. Uh, I'll actually start because the first question is for me. Uh, specifically for Curie, Jeremy, what would be cool to hear about more what you do and do you need any help? So I've I've talked about this a couple times, but essentially I'll answer the second half and then I'll go through the, and, I, and then I'll explain why. I don't really need that much help most weekends because 
the actual thing that consumes my time. So collecting the events. So finding out what events are taking place takes like five minutes because it's going through BCP and then loading up each of the other sites that I checked. So if I'm looking at down under pairings, I'm looking at mini. Uh, mini tourneys, the French one. Yeah, the French. Uh, I, I'm blanking uh, on it now. T3 uh, and tourney keeper. That's usually all that's left because tabletop.to died last year. Um, and then occasionally a new hellish one will pop up. Uh, yeah, that's like pun pun. I love pun pun. Pawpaw so much fun to use because it's, it's the worst, worst, worst of all the options. It's the worst to get lists out of. It's the worst to get matchings out of. It is actually pain. I might run my next of it on challenge just to see if it breaks you. But challenge actually isn't that bad for me. No, but I just don't. I'll do it on an Excel spreadsheet. We'll go back to the old days. And anyway, if you give please. me the Excel spreadsheet at the end of it, I'll be happy. No, so anyways, no, no. pictures of the screen. <laughs> the best pictures of things are the best anyways so the big thing that i get that i that i do is i will go through i'll grab it i have a bunch of excel scripts that will allow me to manually scrape um from whatever site i'm using to grab all of the players names their declared factions uh and then in a separate tab i'll grab and i'll and i'll scrape all of the all of the pairings and scores now sometimes i have to go through and fix all of that because uh, scores are reported in differential. I have a script that will that will fix from differential to an estimated zero to hundred scale. Uh, it's not perfect, but it at least then unif makes everything more or less unified for the back end stuff that we look where we look at differences in scores. So we don't have zero to twenties messing up zero to hundred scores. Um, I do the same thing with if I run into an event like Germany, where they're using a four point differential system with a zero point draw limit. Which oh, is, you're gonna love the. Uh, do you remember the old WTC four one that was proposed, where it was like the seventy one points for the yeah. Both cons using that next month. Ah, <laughs> All right. As long as I find out, uh, and then other some tournaments like again the German one was using a modified uh, win path where your first round gave you extra battle points instead of actually using the win path metric in BCP. So like if you won round one, you got an extra twelve points on top of whatever your twenty. Uh, your zero to twenty score was. If you won round two, you got an eight. You got eight additional. You round on three, four, two, and then zero for round five, and it kind of put in this incentive to keep playing, even if you lost your first game or if you won your first game and lost your second, you could still place fairly high. I don't fully understand it, but yeah. So go through and fix all of that up. Um, that usually takes me about another half hour or so. But the thing that takes me hours, some weeks, uh, is list checking. And I have it down to a science now where when I did LVO's 900 and however many lists that it was, I think it was 973 lists, it took me about three hours to read through every single list. Um, and it was open up series of tabs, skim through, make sure that everything was declared as it was, do a cursory check to see if I had missed an allies, and then keep going. Um, thankfully, Arcs of Omen has made things really easy because everyone has an Arcs of Omen detachment now. And that is how I'm classifying the main faction for this season, at the very least. We've you may notice that on the dashboard, Chaos, um, Imperium, Forces of the Hive Mind, and Eldari are all gone. And that's largely because it's a matter of your Arcs of Omen detachment chooses your secondaries for you. And so we really care about that more than anything else. 
and then in subfaction, I will then track. So much better this month, so much easier this month. That's great. It will make things a lot easier because uh, the data will be there. You won't have chaos where it has like thousand suns, chaos demons, and all the rest of the mess in there. And then in the subfaction, I'll track the subfactions that are within the Arc Soma detachment, and then any allies are if there are any. So that's why you'll see things like if you look at world leaders right now, there's I think four or five different classifications for world leaders. There's disciples of the red angel, there's world leaders, and then there's world leaders with like chaos demons, uh, worthy offerings, and I think hellforge construction. A bunch of different chaos knights, basically. So that is what I do in a nutshell every single weekend. Most weekends it doesn't take me that long. This weekend it actually took me the better part of Monday. Um, because there were 930 players this past weekend across 13 different events. Um, so what we, what we should probably do is uh, get a, a Discord channel and just some people, if they want to check an event for us and be like, this yep. was any mistakes we found, we can maybe do that. And then if people want to chuck a hand in, yep. they can I have, have had people help me in the past. Um, the big thing that often comes down to it is I don't want to have to redo it. So I would have to, I, if I, if you were to help me out, it would yeah, be you'd have to trust them. Yeah. Understanding that they are doing things in exactly the same format as we currently do, because that way the data collapses and collates nicely. And I don't have to go yeah. back through and, and double check it. And that's the main reason why a lot of people have reached out to me over the last year asking if I need help. And I very rarely take them up on it. Also because I enjoy reading through most of these lists. That's actually the more enjoyable sure he knows what everything in the game does. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's one of these things where, like, that's part of the reason why I'm the coach for Team Canada, is that I keep an eye on everything that's going on. Yep. It was one of the better parts of when I was doing it, too. I no longer do it because Jeremy has taken this burden upon himself, basically. Um, also, Jeremy has a better toolkit for doing it than I ever had. But reading all the lists was kind of a more interesting feature of doing that for a while because you did get to see what everybody was playing. And you also got to see some random nonsense, like the Chaos Demons player who named all of his Chaos Demons and gave them all background stories. That kind of stuff is really funny to see. And sometimes you get the occasional photograph of a piece of scratch paper with math done on it by hand. You ever see which... the, um, the Nick Nanavati LVO on a, or the Reese, I think it was Reese to the Nova, where his list was literally written on a napkin and pictured put into LVO? So awful. the very first event that zach como our resident guard player played in he has a record of it and it was a list written on a napkin taken a photo of with his phone and then uploaded um i don't actually see that many of those these days most people are pretty good about it uh the most frustrating is when people um so i'm gonna give a little hint when you are uploading your list to uh, best coast pairings and you're copying over from battle scribe when you long press to paste select paste as plain text or copy and paste into paste bin first sure but that's if you're doing it on a computer if you're doing it on your phone you don't have that option you well, can, copy you and paste into can but it doesn't yeah you can i guess you can i guess you can do that or but one of the things like that your does... app on your phone or whatever just like get it out of battle scribe put it into something that will like appropriately deal with the white space yeah, because what it will do in that particular case is it will avoid the block of text that you sometimes get in a list submission. Because if you just paste, it doesn't read it right sometimes. I don't know what's going on on the back end. I'm not a programmer. Um, but I found that that's the fix that makes it work. Um, so those are the most annoying is when it's just a block of text and I have to slow down, pause my my 
my cycle, so to speak, and look to see where things are at and look for those sub factions. Look, okay, he's Empress Chauvin. Okay. Do I see any allies in there? No. Okay. Because it's, you know, by now it's very quick for me to see detachment breakdowns and all of that because I've looked at, I don't know, 30,000 lists in the last year. Fair. What's our next question? Uh, ignoring the fact that they're garbage, are there any decent options for Raven Guard shenanigans these days? So there was a guy in the UK who did pretty well. I think he went like 3012 with a super aggressive build running like aggressors and outriders and things like that, which definitely feels like it could be fine. There are definitely a lot of characters floating around in the meta, things like um, tank commanders that are a super great target for you know surgical strikes for that plus one to hit and wound. Uh, I really like Shrike. I think Shrike is a super strong data sheet that's just hampered by being with the Raven Guard chapter tactics. But that dude is a gene stealer and he has damage to lightning claws, which is really cool for like um you could go and like assassinate the finial and things like that it's definitely not the worst thing in the world but it's tied to a pretty bad chapter tactic it doesn't really feel like they do anything better than space wolves is really the problem uh, you get one unit that's pretty fast with the advanced charge stratagem you can have another one that's you can have the you have the aura advanced charge for jump packs so like there's a lot of things in there but it's all tied to marine bodies which is ultimately the problem so you're looking at like born heroes and whirlwind of rage and space wolves just do it better and more consistently unfortunately um, but you could definitely build a budget version of that that has merit and gets a bit more of an alpha strike, but you're definitely having to lean into that coin flip aspect to get a lot out of being Raven Guard. And that's probably the real problem is that they're just, you know, you're opting into a coin flip with a melee army at that point to have like a super heavy, to have a super heavy alpha, quote unquote. And that's just not really where you want to be as Marines. Um, yeah. Blade Guard are definitely much better than a lot of the options that you had for Master of Ambush once Centurions got removed. Um, mm -hmm. But aggressors are a good choice for that as well. Uh, personally, 10 Desolation Marine, 10 Desolators would be a great option for that. I think that'd be hilarious. <laughs> but no, please don't. <laughs> just just aggressors. Just do that. 10 Desolator Marines with Master of Ambush, bro. I, I reckon Pop that it. would be hilarious. Imagine yeah, the look yeah. on your opponent's face when you do that to them. Um, yeah, I don't know. It all seems very fine, but it's also one of those where it's like you're playing an 80% option when there's 100% options out there for Space Marines. It's definitely yeah. what it is. So I and I do want to put a caveat out there that a lot of the lower performing Space Marine factions are also suffering from just a lack of play because the players that are playing Marines that are chasing the meta that are looking to play the best have recognized that that 100% option exists so they just aren't even trying to play with them and so you largely have faction diehards that are still playing them and aren't necessarily always the best at playing those factions definitely yeah there's something to be said always for competitive abandonment in factions just leading to a loss of innovation which leads to a further depressed win rate you saw that with admech for a long time where you had maybe like one person who was trying to make it work but one person alone can't innovate enough to carry a faction. Um, man, what? Untrue. Eric Lathras exists, and he is beautiful. Yeah, that's. I would definitely agree with that. Well, <laughs> you can, you degree, can you occasionally have, have one person who's a genius, <laughs> like just an absolute genius who carries a faction by innovating. But I would say that that's the outlier in the situation, and 90% of the time, it's not possible for those factions to innovate enough to keep up with a meta if they don't have somebody... Or multiple people, really, who are pushing the competitive edge on that faction. 
Yeah. Man, we have a right. long questions coming up on this too. All right. With the All GW right, so team that's coming up, what's the best faction lineup for five man teams given four choices, not an option? Whatever your whatever your players play, bro, it's five man teams. You can only like you should probably have dark. You should probably have dark angels. You should probably have two super heavy scoring lists that will just get points consistently. And then whatever your whatever your best player plays that isn't that is realistically the answer. Um I would probably take like Gene Slayer Cults and Harlequins or Gene Slayer Cults and Orcs or, you know, like two of those. And then, you know, your last one could be Admech if you've got a great Admech player or, um, yeah. And if you don't have Dark Angels, then, you know, Iron Hands or Space Rules aren't bad options. Um, I wouldn't play Knights on those boards. That seems like a like hard troll. Um, World Leaders would be another great option in there. Is the GW event the one that's allowing faction duplication? I can't remember anymore. We don't know yet. In previous okay. years, their team events have allowed faction duplication, which in that case, yeah, and maybe <laughs> one Iron Hand player because it's funny. <laughs> no, we shouldn't do that. That seems like it's trolling. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if if they don't allow faction duplication, I would say Dark Angels or Iron Hands, preferably Dark Angels, Guard, uh, and then GSC Orcs, and then a fifth flex option yeah i would be like jc orcs world eaters and yeah world eaters uh, harlequins pick two of those four um uh, to get like your consistent scoring armies in uh if you have a hail of doom player hail of doom is a good option instead of harlequins and then after that it's it's kind of up in there like you could run votan if you want to have something that can you know put the hurt onto a few lists um like there's a lot of or you could just go for three of those scoring lists and you'll not be upset mm-hmm. right uh, in Magic, there was a period of time where winning the World Championship event would grant the winner the opportunity to design a card with their likeness as the art. Assuming the following, whatever you submit to GW blah, 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 would, be, would be balanced, uh, and your goal is to make something that mechanically fits into an existing faction, what would you create for your faction ooh, of choice? Ooh, ooh. I would, there's like Harlequin units that have never featured outside of lore, but in the game. Like they have mime units which were like infiltrators for Harlequins, those would be really cool. Getting those they, they can't have your likeness, Nathan. You never shut up. Is that true? I don't think that's true about me, Ennis. I don't I know. Think I just want to you off. I feel, like that's, I feel like that's fucking broadcasting a little bit, bud. Um, <laughs> I think a mime unit for Harlequins would be cool. Damn. You would want them to have your face. Sure, why not? They can all be like beards, a mime character or a mime unit? No, a mime unit. They'll all have beards. They'll look like me. They'll wear PhD outfits. It'll be great. Right, okay. Jeremy, what are you, what are you gonna be? I mean it would have to be something for the Dark Angels, but um I mean honestly it wouldn't really be from a mechanical perspective, but thematically I would I would want a Saffon model. The the actual master of sanctity for the Dark Angels. You guys are terrible at this. I know. I, I was thinking you'd pick Lionel Johnson and then just No, because it already exists. And I do I want not want well. to be the face of Lionel Johnson because I do not have flowing locks of blonde hair. It could be an adaptation of it. You just have flowing locks of <laughs> brown hair. <laughs> All right. You, it's got to be for a faction with like a really big design space gap that's also got no units. So like it's got to be an Admech or a Chainsaw Code unit for me. So the, melee the focused. Aberrants on bikes. That's what I want. I want Aberrants <laughs> on bikes all with my face. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's Aberrants in the sidecars. Oh, with the stop signs to just swing them at people as they drive by. Five man squads, aberrants on aberrants riding bikes, um, or aberrants riding gene stealers. One of the two. Like I'm cool with that. Um, 
I think that'd be great. Or, um, yeah, I don't know. I want like a dedicated fast mail unit that's not Gene Steelers and Turner. Oh, actually, I, I just I just realized the better one, a uh, beam plane. <laughs> with your likeness, it just is your face on the front, like a Jeremy's face with a laser mouth. <laughs> the be- the beam plane is something Love that it. we should never ever talk about again. Uh, I don't. I was gonna I actually. I changed my answer. I just to make all the custodians players. Man, I just want to be Valdor. So when he comes back, he just has my face on him, and it just makes people mad forever. <laughs> I want to be. I want to be Ross, but corn, like corn, <laughs> corn fallen Ross, corrupted corn and Ross. Yeah. There you go. Um. <laughs> Good combat plus combat trips and takes a note. That's not really a, a question that's super suited for something like this. Uh, I would definitely recommend going and checking out some like YouTube resources or trying to find that Google Drive folder I made, uh, which has a bunch of cool resources for that. But unfortunately, it just doesn't translate super well to us talking about them. Um, like a whole like episode. You could look at things like the Lenin Maneuver or Orbiting, as it's also known, um, like stopping rocket interventions. Like, there are a bunch of really cool things you can do in combat, but it's really hard to describe them audially. So uh, I'm sorry we're going to skip that one. Now that you are older than the highest mission number in the GT pack, how do you all feel? I mean, I've been older than that for a while now. It's episode 33, bro. That's what it's talking about. I know what it's talking about. And as I was making a joke, don't explain the fucking joke. Yeah, but we're both 35, so we're already there. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) Thank you. I turned 36 this month. Well, in March, which is soon. I I turned 36 in 20 fucking 32 <laughs> i was like i was gonna say 20 years in this have you been 16 this whole time yeah bro um it's technically trafficking when that they flew me over um, <laughs> oh no let's not joke about that today uh, um, also which episode thus far has been your favorite we're just gonna skip right past the old man's question i don't I think episode one felt pretty good like yeah. getting to start Mm-hmm. The uh, um, the bonus episode where we talked about Arx of Omen when it dropped was a lot. That of fun. was really fun. I really enjoyed doing that. But that was really just... an episode, right? No, but it was a bonus episode. I, I thought our uh, Christmas bonus episode was pretty fun. I don't know. I thought that was just amusing and ridiculous. Yeah. Actually, no. When we had Falcon on, that was good okay. fun too. I, I struggle to be like any specific episode was my favorite because they, in the nicest way, they all kind of blur together because nothing really stands out as being like super bad or super great. It's just all very an enjoyable process to make. So I just like coming on here and shooting the breeze for a couple hours every week. Um, that one where I got to sleep when I was super burnt out, that was probably my favorite um, because I really needed that week. <laughs> I also agree that I think this is my favorite part of every week where I get to sit down and just shoot shit with people for a couple hours. All right. Are you worried that you'll be supplanted by X and One as the main show on the network? I would be thrilled if that was to happen. X and One hits a very good demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, X and One is a far. We're kind of trying to focus on like we focus on the broad aspects of the competitive hobby, but me and Anthony especially are very dialed in on the top end, and Jeremy mm-hmm. is as well. Um, where it can be easy to get lost in the this is the optimal. optimal. Um, I think we try to make a lot more generals content as well, but the X and one and edit the matrix both benefit from having a super tight focus where mm-hmm. they are about one thing and doing it the best that that show can be about that, which means that the show can at times get a little bit meandering and we're just shooting the breeze a lot of the time because it's a weekly show and we don't always have something super interesting, like super focused to dive in on. Whereas those shows are like X and one is also right at the start of his run and burning through all of its super, like all the topics that the guys have wanted to get off the chest, like real hard now. 
Um, and I look forward to seeing how they continue that. But they're definitely not going to be able to cover like 15 topics an episode in a, in a year's time. Um, so I look forward to seeing where they go with it. Um, but no, I, we're fine. We're we're number one. That's all that matters. They're X and one. We're number one. <laughs> but I'm proud of both our children. <laughs> I'm proud of all of my children. It's true. You guys can answer that question as well, obviously. I don't think it will ever supplant StatCheck as the main show. X and One is a really good show, though, and I think you should all watch it, especially if you're busy people trying to make, like, your competitive 40K life work. So the yeah, X and One is not content for me. I, I said this earlier, but it's not. It's a show that I definitely I listened to, and it was super interesting, uh, but it definitely was not, you know, I'm not the person that it's trying to be about. Um, I'm very much about chasing the, you know, chasing that one percent of extra play and playing five games a week. Um, I'm not budgeting my time around 40k. 40k is my time. Um, so, I'm definitely the target audience, aside from not being an actual father of X and One. So I get a lot of value out of watching that show. So I've watched every episode, all two episodes that have come out so far, um, and I plan on watch watching the rest of them, even though I'm not on it. Just because it's a show that is targeted specifically at the demographic, which is me, where when I I can get like a game in a week, I'm pretty happy. It's also just a wonderful, wonderful piece of content to be out there for people to know that there is other ways to appreciate and enjoy this game competitively. Um, mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, anything that grows the community is good for all of us. So if X and One does end up being more popular than us, good, because it deserves to be uh, if people like it 100%. as much as they do. Yeah. If it becomes the most popular show on the network, it's because it is making content that is better than us, not for any other reason. Or because it resonates with more people, like, ultimately, at the end of the day. Yep. When will Violence Vanilla return to host a show in the Matrix? Never. He he was never a host on that show. <laughs> Typhus was lying. For, Typhus lied and told us that Anthony was involved in that show so he could get StreamYard access. Uh. <laughs> and then suddenly Typhus is in our backstage chat. It's a really good show, though. Enter the Matrix is probably one of the best pieces of content that I don't walk, yeah. watch regularly because Enter the Matrix is my favorite it doesn't apply to content. my life very often. Yeah. Um, I, I think Enter the Matrix is the best is the best individual piece of content out there for 40k. Um, it's also hyper focused on one specific thing, which is a strong appeal, but reduces its generalized. Yeah. You know, everybody gives it pause. Ultimately, uh, where is Typhus flying? That's ten hours away. Uh, Typhus is on a holiday in Thailand, I believe. I believe that's correct, yes. Uh, what are we doing Spongebob, by the way? We should really organize that. As soon as you guys get 200 patrons, I will actually schedule it. <laughs> the challenge currently is just that as we've grown now, I have to like try way harder to schedule things. When it was just the four of us, it wasn't too bad. Or five <laughs> of us, including Cliff, rather. It wasn't it used too to bad. be three of us, now, There used to be three of us. That would have been real easy. Now there are seven of us, and it gets like steadily more difficult the more people that we add to our network to schedule things. Yeah, um, it might be, it might be ten soon. It, it's going to be after Typhus gets back from his vacation in Thailand is essentially what it's going to be. Cool. But we are working on actively doing it. Cliff's asked, uh, Chris has asked us to live react to something. This is something I posted in the Discord that you should definitely not click on the link to. Uh, I've already looked at that. that. I've already looked it at that. I don't understand. Sad. I don't understand how to read it is the real that's, problem. That's fair. <laughs> like, I started looking at it and my eyes started to bleed and I started to get like stigmata and stuff like that. It was a terrible experience for my brain. Kyle N asks, he has a show question. If he changed all the players declared armies on BCP to sisters, how mad would it make you? 
let's not answer that question because I can see Jeremy like wanting to like the ring through a computer screen and like what I'll say is the, the chance that Anthony's under your bed is low but never zero. <laughs> <laughs> also, that actually might cause like Anthony will definitely call that bluff with a chair. He'll just come up behind you one day with a metal chair and just hit you with it. What are the main factors that determine the meta flexibility of an army? How important the numbers of data sheets and to what extent give variety and subfaction traits make up for having relatively few data sheets. Ultimately, for me, meta variety is how adaptable they can be to people trying to counter it and to shifts in the meta. Um, mm-hmm. If an army is super great right now, but then the army that it's preying on, that's doing super well, falls away and it just doesn't have the longevity, that's where that's not being flexible. And if it can't change to adapt to that situation. Um, so we definitely saw that with things like some armies just disappear without ever getting nerfed, right? Um, that's just not being flexible, whereas um, armies that can change or armies that don't need to change are the flexible ones. That, that's kind of mm-hmm. it. There's no, there's no metric for it. It's just whether I don't know. I, yeah, I wouldn't because I, I wouldn't say that right. number of data sheets or subfactions necessarily are an implication of that. Because you look at a really good example of that is Harlequins over the course of the last since their codex, actually even before their codex came out, over their last year they have a very shallow codex. But the army's playstyle has been able to adapt to nearly every single way that the game has changed over the last year, such that they've always remained, um, well, while a low play value, relevant. Yeah, where something like Marines has a million data sheets and it did not matter. You had Blood Angels and that was it, and that was not meta adaptability mm-hmm. at the time. Yep. I think um, secondary scoring is the one feature that kind of overrides some of that, where if your army is good enough at scoring secondaries, it just doesn't matter. Like yeah. Necrons for a while, where it didn't even matter, because the army is still played and still is winning, not as much anymore because of some changes to their secondaries, but existed solely in the meta because of its secondaries. There was for also, um, like, I was speaking to a client about um, Eldar recently, and we could not, I could not distill an Eldar list down to a core of, like, this is what an Eldar list looks like. There is so many options and flexibility in that book, and it, every single person is building their own spin on Eldar, whether you're Vic or you're... Um, like the the German guys playing it, or your um, some of the guys playing it in the US, like like uh, James Kelling, like or um, Ben Sherman. There's no consistency in what those lists are doing. They are all, you know, they have the same core. You're like you're going to see a Farseer. You're going to see you're probably going to see Baharoth or another Phoenix Lord. You're probably going to see like the Howling Banshees and some Striking Scorpions. And like after that, the list building for that book is so open wide, and it doesn't matter. That book is only okay. Um, like there's maybe a build that's great and a bunch of builds that are fine, but is that flexibility or is that just being a consistent book that has a bunch of options that are okay, but not great? Like I would say that's pretty flexible. You can always find something in that that's 50%, but it's not hitting peaks. Right. So, or then you've got gray Knights, which is the opposite. Gray Knights has a build. Um, and sometimes it doesn't matter because that builds good. And sometimes that builds bad and yeah, cool. So, so flexibility is always kind of flexibility and power are very linked. I think is the ultimate gist of this. If a book is powerful and flexible, it's probably broken. If a book is powerful and inflexible, it's probably probably going to get adapted to. And that was a Drakari problem. Where you couldn't just adapt to, adapt to you couldn't adapt to Drakari at the time because Drakari just adapted back. Mm-hmm. So Ennis, how does GW safely and appropriately nerf Gene Stealer Cult, and then how do they actually do it in Kill the Faction? safely and appropriately uh oh this, this is a question I, I need a second and move on to the next one i'll come back to this all right we'll come back to it in a second 
I think this one's actually more interesting because it removes all the context of why fantasy ended, which is actually the answer to the question, which is what will end times 40k look like or come? When will it come? And it came, it was in seventh. Did you guys miss come, it? <laughs> it will come when 40k stops making Games Workshop money. Yep. Now, fantasy stopped making Games Workshop money, and so they end times it and made it into Age of Sigmar, which has been a relatively successful game since then, despite the clamoring of people who loved fantasy so much that they hated Age of Sigmar. Um, I've actually yeah. been looking at picking up an Age of Sigmar army recently, which is also just going to make a bunch of people upset, probably. But yeah, yeah I think no, it, it, it really comes down to, like, they're not going to end times 40k unless the game just stops being played. Yeah. I think that's the key, is that if it ever stops making them money, they'll stop, they'll rebuild 40k from the ground up. But the fact is that the game continues to grow at a somewhat alarming rate, actually. Yeah. When you it's look been at their numbers all the time, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Like if, if ever you see a year to year where their sales for 40k have stagnated, that's when you start that's when the warning bells start to go off. But that has not happened. Yeah. Yeah. In a very long time. I guess we can try to answer one more question then while Ines contemplates his death. Um, what list building insights have you gained from looking at so many lists, Jeremy? That's a good question, actually. Um, the one thing that I have gained kind of the ability to do is to glance at a list and, and see why certain choices have been made and what they've left on the table in exchange for them. Because you'll see 20 different lists for the same faction. So say as an example, I guard is the biggest focus right now. It's one of the most heavily played factions. Um, and you look at it that and you see you know for example i look at a typical guard list and the things that i'm looking for are present in some and not present in others and it's interesting to see the sacrifices that they've made to do that so for example guard lists that are doing really well right now have five to six rust halls two to three units of kazakin and i'm answering dumb fries dumb freeze uh, question at the exact same time here is five to six rust halls two to three units of kazakins um lord solar uh, usually a command squad of the Finial, three units of mortar teams. Um, and then after that, it's usually some sentinels for forward deploy or armored sentinels for, um, but definitely already in. sounds like 2,500 points. So it definitely, yeah. Amusingly be. enough that what I've listed out is probably about 1600 points so because after that you can then flex you can take infantry squads to give yourself some more boots on the ground scion uh, patrol is really scion, good an entire scion patrol uh for r&d or again boots on the ground and just getting cheap bodies around the or around the board uh you could take a bulgren brick if you want to because they're not all that expensive either um but yeah it's there then you look at it and say okay this person took eight russes what did they give up for that? Because they can't fit that much in a list. And usually when it's something like eight or nine Russes, they've gone armored superiority and they've given up on Kazakhans because Kazakhans don't work as well if you're not born soldiers. Or they've included Rough Riders in their list. And Rough Riders take the place of Sentinels for, for forward deploy, or not to say forward deploy, but for, for applying forward pressure on your opponent. Um, so there's... I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned that I've learned from list building is just being able to look quickly at a list and be like, this could be better if you did X, Y, Z, just from looking at what is the constant. So it's kind of like 
when we talk about iron hands list the core of an iron hands list is very similar for iron hands lists that do wells it's two to three units of infiltrators a relic contemptor two units of devs in a, in a drop pod uh the and then the tech marine with targeting protocols and the lieutenant with uh vox spiritum and rights of war after that it's very it's 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 fairly flexible if you want to go into melee side of things you take whirlwind of rage and you add in 10 to 15 vanguard veterans um if you want to yeah 10 is usually the right number because your elite slot gets up being pretty full because you want to take scouts and be in spent land speeder storms because it's 110 points for five sniper scouts with a missile launcher in a land speeder storm also the thunder hammer on that scout sergeant yeah and the thunder hammer on the scout sergeant um but yeah it's that i think that's the one big thing that i've taken out of reading all of these lists uh, is being able to distill out what the core of many lists are. And I will say that I agree with Innes when he was talking about uh, Eldar, is that for the large part, there isn't that core. Like, there are there are many different archetypes for Eldar, but there isn't that one core that you're always going to see. Yeah, for Eldar, it kind of feels like there's 4,000 points and you pick and grab your favorite 2,000. Yeah. Um, and there are elements that are, like, S-tier through B-tier in that that you will take some combination of, and most lists have all the S-tier. And like some of the A and B, and then sub faction choices change that, and then some lists just, you know, like some lists skip Bahar offense and that, and I think they're all insane, but you know, people do it. Um, yeah. And you'll see like the Avatar will show up and do really well for a couple of weeks, and people will start playing that for a little bit, and then other players will move on, and they'll go to like fifteen Shroud Runners, and then they'll realize they get Alfred off the board if they don't go first, and like you know, it's super variable. Anyway, we're gonna bring back the GSC because I have mm -hmm. a rough thoughts on this one, so. The way I'm going to structure this is there are like three things that GSC are probably too good at. And there's like a couple of nerfs I would make to like a few of them. And the way that they make it cool is that they apply a couple of minor compensation buffs to other things to make a healthier playstyle for the book as a whole. And the way that you ruin them is you don't give the compensation buffs. So that's how I'm going to structure this. So the first thing they do too well is they score two point, too many points too easily. So Ambush probably just needs like a point carved off it at most of the steps. It still kind of needs to be pretty good because it's generally pretty limited to only turn two and turn three. Um, and then you can like get points on it later. But I would probably knock it down to like capping back at four rather than the five that you can get on it now. Um, or just like taking out one of the criteria again, maybe making it so that it's only one point for the crossfire marker again. Just something in there somewhere. You guys cannot mute up because I will just talk too fast. Like everybody knows this. You guys have to ask questions at some point. Uh, <laughs> So I will that, be here just be... just to make sure you breathe occasionally in this because it's it's like it's like a it's like an avalanche right it gains momentum as it goes. Yep. So next is in that same category is brute swarm, which is also just too easy to score. I would probably just knock off one of the criteria. I think the one I would take off is the dual four get bonus point, um, so that it goes back to four cap, and then you can still get the three a turn. By getting like you know neutral your deployment zone and stuff, so it's still a good passive score secondary because I think GSC kind of need one, um, especially if you're going to curb ambush as well. Um, so that's like the soft version of the buff is you take off the get all four, uh, and then if you were going to be like you would take off the whole board if you were going to do it for the uh, like the harsher nerf version is probably take off the whole board so that you can still get four on it, but you've got to do the three neutrals to get the three points, and then you always get four if you get all of them. Um, so that's okay. probably the harsher one. I think they might warrant the harsher one right now, but it depends on what the other changes that you make that could mean that, you know, maybe you go for the slightly more lenient version to keep a passive scoring plan, especially if we're going to lean heavier into the melee assets being a bit stronger in an updated version of the Codex. Then you're on to like the shooting is 
just a little too good from Deep Strike. Um, my change here is that I would start with hitting the um, the plus one damage stratagem. Probably shouldn't. It probably just needs to be two CP on a twenty man squad. So like once you go past eleven models in the squad, it goes up to two CP. Or if you have a power level of like whatever the power level is for set for like a five a six man squad of bikes. So like once you've added past one wolf core or one extra bike, or once you've gone past eleven neophytes in the squad, it's two CP for that. So th there's at least a resource trade there. Um, sure. And you know like I don't think it's I don't think it's broken. I think it's powerful, but it just needs a little more of a limitation on it. So making that a one-two or just frankly a flat-two stratagem isn't too big a deal. Would you um, change anything about the Myriad Cult system that currently exists? We're going to get to that. Don't worry, okay. don't worry about I it. Was wondering. That, that, I, was I said three points, didn't I? Uh, I was just wondering if it was one so, of the points. I think the harsher version is you just make it flat-two because this is a really strong stratagem, but I think that is sad in that it makes things like the the single demo charge going to throttle damage i think that's a fairly healthy and interesting mechanic um that's probably warrant the property probably warrants a hit with like the full 10-man brick going to flat three damage and also damage two on the flamers or um the neophyte squad and i think if you did that you could also make the missile weapons on ridge runners which aren't industrial weapons currently you could make them you could make them industrial weapons at that point because it would then be two cp if you were a two or more model squad and then it wouldn't be absurd to have like nine damage four shots coming from them um, because that's like a 300 point squad with a 2CP stratagem and they're incredibly fragile, uh, which gives them a cool, interesting Alpha Strike option that's vehicle based and actually feels like it's you know, what it should be. I would maybe go there if you wanted to do like a compensation that might have other consequences. Um, and then, like, there's the minor one of like the Jackal data sheet probably still just does a little too much and I would maybe carve off something. Um, probably change their fallback shoot and charge to just fall back and shoot is where I would start. Um, so that they, you can't like continually tag things and tie them up. Um, but broadly, I don't think I don't think that's too big a deal. I, that's kind of like a side point that you could hit. I don't think you have to. Um, you could probably change it to be two CP to do both. Like some of those stratagems have gone. No, no, to they, they do it natively on their data sheet, bro. Oh, I thought that was a stratagem. Dang. No. Oh, that's so much nicer. <laughs> they, yeah, they data sheet are amazing. amazing. <laughs> they should just or do one of those. Change their minus one to hit to be just shooting, not shooting and melee. I would do that one of sense. those two, maybe. I don't think they need them, especially because um, if you follow Eric's blog, Eric thinks Jackals are a little bit on the way out because they struggle with a few card matchups. But I think if we're going for long-term health, probably making them not fall back shoot and charge, just fall back and shoot is where I would go. Um, because then they're, they're more like outriders and flanking units rather than you know continually chain tagging and wrapping you. Sure. Um, and then the, act, then the last one is the Miracle system probably just needs a small redress. I would... If you're just doing nerf, um, move industrial affinity to a two a two pointer. Uh, if you're doing a composition, I would bring in passion, which is the plus one to charge, plus one to hit on the charge. I would bring that down to two as well, so you can still run the two of them together in a melee focused army, but that you couldn't just run like the four the four pops. Um, or I don't I don't think you could really do like swap the points cost on them, so because running them together makes the melee build actually work in a really cool way, where you can like get hitting on twos in combat with like, rock cutters, um, and I think that's super interesting. I don't think that's a bad thing. But I don't think you could make the plus one to hit with the charge a one a one point one because that's way too good, um, which means that you probably can't make industrial affinity a three point one, um, so unless you just say like, you cut it back to three from four. Yeah, cut it to three from four would also work, but there's a bunch of them that are three, which I think is kind of sad um, in that situation, sure. where there's like at the point where you're you're like, are you really justifying saying that the um, the reroll charges one for three should be your entire trait? Yeah. Now, what about from the perspective of looking at Industrial Infinity, instead of ignoring all penalties, ignoring the 
the malice to hit for yeah, the weapon itself. Yeah, if it was just ignore moonfire penalty, I think that would also be fine. Um, or, yeah, ignoring weapon Because being penalty. able to ignore all the defensive profiles of opponents as well is a yeah. really I, powerful I, I think a lot of those abilities should just be, like, a lot of those ignore hit modifiers should be ignore self-imposed ones, not enemy ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it should ignore your moving fire penalty, um, your... Um, like if they're if you're if you've even fired or you've got a weapon that gives you one to hit, ignoring those. I think ignoring defensive buffs and forests. Counter stationary if in the shooting phase. Yeah, but counter stationary then means it doesn't work from reserve, which is like the whole chain circle thing. Oh yeah, that's right. right. There's Actually, already that's, a, there's already that, that, a that would that would have a really bad knock on consequence. Yeah. So like so, I think there's you've got to be really careful with the change to this infrastructure because it's like there's a lot of really interesting things in the Miracle system, and getting four things seems like a lot. Like three of two of the ones you take are pretty garbage. Um, mm-hmm. Like cold eye killers is not great. Synaptic resonance is okay. It's affects one model in your army usually. Excuse me. So like going up to two would hurt the build without killing it. Like and I think with the combined set of changes, if you were just going to change the miracle system, I think that, that would be not enough. But I think with other changes to the ecosystem there, it would be enough to make change cults just a little bit weaker without taking the edge off it. Um, so what are the compensatory buffs that you were thinking of then? The, I, I went through those. So that was oh, when I was like, I there's a there's a softer version and a better and a stronger version that you could do in those. I see. So it's like okay. you do the softer one or you only change one of the things. So that's kind of like if you want to crush them, you do the one. If you don't, you do the other. So that's the, okay. the you make it one, two, depending on power level or squad size, or you make it just flat two for the plus one damage one. And then okay. which thing you take off of Brute Swarm, which point you take off of Ambush would be the ones that are like, you know, some are better than others. Like, if you take the one point off the Havoc Crossfire token, or if you take the one point off of the kill unit with one that's out from reserve, would probably be the ones that I would look at. Uh, sure. And then whether you take away, like, one or both from Jackals, or if you take anything away from Jackals. Um, and then, yeah, you can increase points as well. But I like the Gene Circle for, like, a Horde army. Like, six points is expensive for a Guardsman, regardless of its rules. Uh, and the melee stuff is expensive as is, and, like, can't really change. Like, nine points is already extortionate for an Acolyte. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you compare it to like a Harlequin troop, it's disgusting. Um, and then, yeah, then yeah, industrial finity. I think if you were just flat nerfing, you increase industrial. You increase industrial finity to two. If you're compensating, you bring in passion to down to two as well. Is where I would start. Um, sure. There is honestly the the actual argument I would make is that most things should just be two in that, and you go up to five points, and you get to pick like one, two, and one three, um, or a four, like, and then that would be a lot more interesting, but. You know, there's it gets super weird. I would at that point be like, I, I would actually probably want to go to six and have like a bunch of a bunch of fours, a bunch of threes, and a bunch of twos. So you can have a four and a two, two threes, or three twos would be what I would actually want to do. But that's like scaling it super hard and fundamentally rewriting it, and that's just not not feasible. Um, what about want to tag if in? you were cool. no, sorry, cool. I was just saying, what about if you were from again? We'll we'll. Uh, last question on the mirror calls. I'm curious about how this would work. What about if you were to group them and say you can take one from this group, one from this group, one from this group? Yeah, it's again, it's fine, but it's changing. It, it's like I don't want to fundamentally change the mechanic. Is the ultimate end of that? Like that's making it like the um the tau um spike system with like the sectors kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which like yeah, you could do that, but I don't know. I feel like it loses some of its uniqueness with it being you know myriad cults where it's like all of the options under the sun because there's a million different ones. Uh, there's only one really, but uh, I guess two because some people play synaptic resonance. Um, Makes sense. I, I don't want to hit it too hard. The real one that I actually want to see for Jinsa cults is the icon ward to be able to do his banner when he sets up from reserve the um, action for the muscle to charge and to just lower the distance they come away to seven so you could actually hit charges from reserve. Um, that's what I actually want to see, but they're just not going to do that. The difference between six and seven at that point becomes academic. Um, 
but they're just the unreliability of hitting targets from the reserve with GC is the real problem and why you can't justify playing melee balls that don't play on the board ultimately. You get one fairly consistent charge with the trap sprung, um, and that's it. That's all you get. That makes sense. Or just make a trap sprung a generic mechanic that everything has. Um, three dice drop the lowest charge on the turn you set from reserve. <clears throat> that, that's what I would look at. Um, but ultimately, the secondaries are the real problem there. They just need a bit of a hit so that Jinster got her a little more incentivized to play the game with you. Um, because they're already just naturally passively because they're a troops, a deep striking troops army, passively great at secondaries. Um, so you can't also have great secondaries on top of that and expect them to be reasonably fair. That's why Harlequins are a problem all the time. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yep. Anyway, apparently this is monthly Innis whinges about GSC or rants about do, GSC or tells you Do we want to... <laughs> There's... A... <laughs> Ashley uh, like asked when we were going to get ASMR tracks. Did we put out ASMR tracks, or do we want to? Did we ever put out the the no science ASMR? <laughs> okay, we'll just do that at some point. We'll Actually, put out science. We're very ASMR. sorry, but we just can't accommodate that this time. I mean, we can, but it would be just science sounds. It's definitely a higher Patreon tier, though. All right, <laughs> we should wrap up. Thank you so much, everybody, for being with us this week. We hope you enjoyed this bumper episode, I suppose, um, because we can't stop talking about Gene Circles, or I can't, at least. Um, we really appreciate you all being here. We'll be back next week for episode 34. Uh, if you want to hear more from us, you can check us out at youtube.com slash c slash statcheck. You can see a bunch of back content, or you can sit around and wait for 160 hours for next week's episode. I recommend doing that. Um, it makes us look cool if we've got somebody waiting for that long for a live stream. Otherwise, you can check us out at patreon.com slash statcheck if you want to support us a little bit more and get access to our awesome Discord and be part of the community. Uh, we're going to be starting a TTS league. We're apparently going to be starting a... We're doing like some miniature golf thing, which is like painting models and selling models, which is doing really well for getting some people a bit of impetus. Uh, and you can check out all the hosts of all of your brand new favorite shows like XM1 and End of the Matrix and also us, apparently. Have a great time. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. For more shows like this, check out the Goonhammer Media Network. More info at media.goonhammer.com.